Hello, listening people. Hi. Oh, hello there. How are you? Good. It's good. I was, I was... You were very aggressive, straight off the bat. It's it's a foreshadowing. I know it's very early in the episode, <laughs> but I'm foreshadowing already. Wow, what are you, fucking Game of Thrones? I mean, jeez. You're going to set up this, hey, four seasons earlier, and then it will well, pay was... off. Then it will pay off when your character dies and you just say as your final lines, hey, I'm... death, and then you die. <laughs> I was originally going to go, huh, but I had to I'm say Ryan Slewinski, by the way. And I'm Bartek. Bartek? Bartek Kasp. Oh my god, you actually said it. Oh no. We are both spin Polish, likingly, because we are always spitting. And yes, we both happen to be Polish, if you listened right there to the names. Very Polish. It was a very Polish sound I made to begin the episode. But hi. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, when I think Poland, I think guttural noises. Yeah, like Klingon. So, we are doing a show called Unappreciated Masterpieces. And... What do we do on Unappreciated Masterpieces for those not in the know? Well, good question, me, that I ask to you. Um, to me, to me? Yeah, to sure. We ask, we ask ourselves <laughs> at night, why am I listening? Because you asked the question, then you answered it, then you made it sound like I asked it. So no, like, it's all to the audience. Oh. Not everything is about you, Martek. I thought Jeez you were making Louise. everything about you. It's all about me, Yes. <laughs> Jeez. So, what we do on Unappreciated Masterpieces is we find those movies, those rare gems, those, you know, in like old fashioned arcade games, there was like secret levels that mm-hmm. just look like the same level, but painted green. Yeah. We find those green movies mm-hmm. and we show them to the world and we talk about them in depth. These aren't the movies that are the most hated, but they're not the most beloved. They're movies that deserve more recognition. They deserve more love. They deserve a higher rating. They deserve a proper discussion because for whatever reason, at the time of the release of the film and even after, it just never got that love. And we are all about love. Mm, Society just isn't good at games. Yeah, exactly. They can't get to the bonus levels. Well, they like playing a game, and that game like, I'm not gonna is being th- mean. I'm not going to collect yeah. three Cortex tokens. It's too hard. Yeah. No, but like, they, like playing, they like playing the game of being mean, and I hate meanies. I just... Ooh, I hate them. Give them credit, though, Ryan. They are good at it. What, being meanies? Yeah. Yeah, you're damn right they are. And that's what infuriates me the most. So, so if you had to give being meanies a rating... <laughs> if I had to give being meanies a rating... I'd give it a five out of meanie. Yeah, so not as good as Bonk's Adventure. Bartek. Yes. I'm Ryan. You're Bartek. Yes. And we cover movies on this show. Mm-hmm. We have to cover a movie on this show. I don't know what movie Wait, we're covering. Movie, not a game. No, no, we're not gamers. Oh, shit. we're not doing unappreciated games, which is of course Tumbi Two, a game in which you have to fight evil pigs. Great game, check it out. Five the, stars. Is that the one I watched you play? It, you can watch me play any kind of game if you know where I live. Like the, the pigs at war or something? <laughs> no, that was Hogs of War. Oh, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> fun, fun, fun fact, I grew up on a lot of pig-related <laughs> games. Fun fact, I grew up on a lot of pig-related games, I guess. You know, Tumbi 2. Fun fact, I didn't have Tumbi 1 guess it's the same game to me you know it could be the same game but we're not covering tumbi 2 we're not we're covering what bartek guys today we are covering odkrycze profesora kripendora 
What? You want to say that again? Uh, I nearly had it there. Yeah, yeah. You, I did, mean, uh, you missed the second half. Yeah, yeah. Give me the first it's half. It's Odkrycze Profesora Krippendorfa. Oh, wait. Are you speaking Polish right now? Yeah. Holy spin crap. Polish. Bartek, this is the really awkward part of the show that we do every single time for the last 84 episodes and it's never changed. I don't speak Polish. I mean, sometimes it's changed. Sometimes I say I do, but I don't actually do speak Polish. That's the weakness of my genetics. What? Is I don't know how to speak Polish. I, it's like if Harry Potter didn't know how to speak parcel tongue. But I, That's me right now. I thought... I thought this was episode 84. Far out. Oh, I see, because you thought I was uh, worried about me making but mistakes. Can you hit me again with that title? I think I'm going to give it a guess. It's three words, Ryan. Odkrycze, yep. Profesora, Kripendorfa. <gasps> Tumbi 2? But that's a game, but <laughs> We're not covering Tumbi 2. <laughs> oh, uh, maybe another hint. It's from 1998. <gasps> oh my God, is it Kripendorf's tribe? I with mean, Richard yes. Dreyfus? I, I w- love Dick Dreyfus. Yes, the, the Polish title translates to the discovery of, well, like, discovery by Kripendor. Professor Kryffindor. Well, that's actually a good title. That's actually a good title because he discovered something in the movie like we discovered something. Before we started this episode, Bartek and I took an expedition down the road. We thought we're going to have to <laughs> we're gonna have to find someone or something to join us on this episode of the show. I'd play... Is it a gamer? <laughs> no, Tumbi 2 couldn't join us. Okay. I said gamer, not game. Wait, hey, Tumbi's a person and there's two of them. Oh, jeez. No, um, there's there's only one of Tumbi in the game. Why is it called Tumbi 2? Because it's a sequel to Tumbi oh. 1. <laughs> All that stuff. No, the person that we are fortunate enough to have dug up from the soil is that of Ace Buchanan. Hi, uh, thank you for digging me up, this old dirty boy. I tapped <laughs> out about ten times during that, so thanks for stopping. <laughs> tapped out? Yep. Now tap in. Oh. <laughs> not- so good, look at this. Touching the mic. Mm. 101 <laughs> rule of not doing podcasts. I'm a wild card. I no, no, actually, <laughs> actually, right, it's a rule of doing podcasts. Yeah, you're not- if you're not doing it, you can touch it. <laughs> like, I just touched you all over with my fingers. If you're hearing that on headphones, that's me touching your eardrums. The only time we've legitimately had to touch it is, like, when we did uh, Pootie Tang. <laughs> <laughs> the only time you have to touch something is when Pootie Tang's involved. But we're not covering Pootie Tang. We've already done that. We're not covering the Louis C.K. written black exploitation comedy Pootie Tang. No, we're doing the classic Richard Dreyfus, Jenna Elfman, and yes, yes, Stephen Root does appear in this movie. Ooh. This is his third appearance on the show. Mm-hmm. Second time as a uh, school administrator. So Of an educational facility, yes. Yeah, well, that's why I said school. Schools are educational. Yeah, I know, but university, high school, it's... It's a school, isn't I know, it? I know, it's a school of life. It's a school <laughs> yeah, of life. You're always learning, Bartek. Like, Bartek, if I say, if it, was, if it was in charge of a vocational college, I would give you that. That's not a school, that's just a skin. I'm just saying, well, educational <laughs> facility being the super general thing. Well, okay, Bartek. You're the super general. Do you want to super general the audience and tell them how we're going to do... How you're going to do a countdown for them to line up their legal copy of this film. Because I imagine everyone in the world was has a legal copy of Krippendorf's tribe ready. I mean, it's so easy to access. That's the one thing I have to say about this movie. When you search it on Netflix, 
It doesn't show up, but it's in one of the suggested Yeah, sections. it's it's like if you like Krippendorf, <laughs> you would like this. You know, that's how good it is. Mwah! Bartek, do us an amazing countdown. So you guys, I just said Bartek's going to explain it, but fuck him, he's taking too long. You're going to get a copy ready. He's going to do a countdown. When he says play, you press play. So you're synced up with us. You can enjoy the visual majesty of Natasha Lyonne in this movie, who is... Mm-mm-mm. almost as good as she is in I'm a Cheerleader. But, you know, that's a different movie for a different day. Bartek, give them some emotional countdowning. All right, everyone. We're in this for the long run, so let's just get right into it with 50, 49, <laughs> 48, I knew 20, was- <laughs> 13, <laughs> 7, 4, 3, 2, 1, play. Yes! We did that perfectly. That was a joint effort. Hey, this is a Touchstone Pictures, which means Walt Disney was involved in spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, but he wanted to swear, so, you know. So he wanted, he wanted, you know, people to know that he made a movie from beyond the grave. And he said, get Richard Dreyfuss on the phone now. And don't call it Disney. Call it Touchstone Pictures. Yeah, call, give, make, make it my Touchstone, you know. And <laughs> that's where it started. Now, guys... This is a film from 1998. It's a comedy, which means something very important. Tee-hee-hee? Yes, tee-hee-hees were involved. But not just any normal tee-hee-hees, written tee-hee-hees. <gasps> if, if you've been listening to the show ever before, I've noted this down many times. Modern day comedies do not have scripts so much. More like, hey, Will Ferrell's a dad. And, 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 and Mark Wahlberg's the other dad. <laughs> and Seth Rogen laughs. And Seth Rogen smokes pot. And there you got a movie. And that movie's called Daddy's Back. You know, like, how good with John Cena. You know, there, there you go. You got a meme, you know, right there. But this is a movie where someone wrote a script. Mm. And that someone was brave enough to send that script to a studio. Why are you laughing at Well, I know, it's a comedy. That's the ex- exact answer. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just watching this. It's so hilarious. Oh, God, it's funny. Oh, wow. It is funny. Don't you love cameras? I love... I love cameras. I love cameras as much as I love tribal people. And that's a lot. That's a lot. You know, that's, that's a fair amount of love for the tribes. And for cameras. Well, I like taking photos of tribal people. On my tribal camera, you know, that's exactly what I'm trying to specify here for everyone involved at home. So, Bartek. Yeah? You've seen this movie now. Oh, I have. I have can. you had seen it before I suggested doing it for the podcast? Have you even heard of Krippendorf and its amaz- amazing tribe? I had not heard of this until you told me what we were doing for the show. Could you tell the audience what you did think the movie was going to be? Because you told me and I was yeah. happy. Yeah, so based on the title alone... Krippendorf's Tribe. You know, so I was just analysing those two words, what thoughts they gave me. I thought that it would be some sort of, like, European fantasy film. Almost like a folk-based, folk folk story-based kind of thing. You know, like there's a tribe of, like, I don't know, a certain, you know, group of people and they might have a certain culture about them that the film will revolve around. And that's kind of true. And then, you know, I, I was like, before I watched the film, I'm like, oh, who's in the film? And I saw all these names. I'm like, these people are white. 
<laughs> and it's set in the 1990s, so uh, maybe not. <laughs> and before I watched the film, I looked up and they were white, like the biggest discovery of Hollywood film ever. Like, did you know I went to a blockbuster recently and I was shocked to find well, out again, that Ryan, all of the Marvel people are white. Well, right again, Ryan, I didn't know. I didn't know it was an American film. You're right. There's the one with the eye patch. <laughs> That's about it. Black Panther. I mean, Black Panther's gonna. He's be been in one movie. They're making a Black Panther. I know, movie. but it isn't out right now, is <laughs> well, it? Hold on, right. Am I going down the cinema? I mean, this would be a really timely podcast when people have listened to this after the fourth Black Panther movies come out. I was like, yes, right, it is out. You yeah, this fucking isn't gonna idiot. Probably. probably <laughs> I'm, listening, I'm watching Captain Marvel right now. Yay! Two took things. four superhero women for Marvel to get one eventually, but yay. yes. So two things from what I just said there. One, I didn't know it was American, so that's why. And two, I I was surprised they were white, even though I said I thought it was a European thing. Were you thing. expecting this movie to be the film just visiting, but with more tribal people instead of French people? No, so I, I didn't think it was set in the modern day. Uh, no, but that film had a portion of it not set in the modern day. But this film's 100% in the modern I day. I know that, Bartek. We're talking about what you thought going in. Yeah, and I'm saying no, I didn't. That's, there you go. Ace, that's the answer. What about you, Ace? Did you hear of this movie before having been asked to come on the show? Did you see it before? No, I still haven't seen it. I did what any any good podcast guest does and just read the synopsis. Yeah, just fucked Google. about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, when you first sent it to me, I thought it might be like a, a camp movie, like Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> like, yeah, like Fred's camp. Yeah. Like Fred Three. camp. <laughs> <laughs> why do you like, I get why Bartek thought like a fantasy thing because Tribe, but you got another camp. Yeah, another thing because his name, <laughs> like, <laughs> his name ends with Dorf, so I was thinking like, oh, Ganondorf, you know. Oh, not just German? It's just fan fiction, it's just well, Zelda fan yeah, fiction. Yeah, obviously German as well, but Germans in... Germanese in Europe. You know, so. I'm very happy they got the very famous German actor Richard Dreyfus for Krippendorf. It was very good. Well, here's the big question, guys, for myself. Have I seen the Ryan, movie before? Ryan, have you seen the film before? Have you seen the film before, Ryan? I grew up on this film. Oh. My parents, I've explained this on the podcast before. Uh, I don't know if this applies to anyone listening or to you, Ace. When DVDs first came to be as a thing, it was a very slow transition, I would say, surprisingly, for DVDs to be fully taking over the market. Like we were so scared. It's witchcraft. What yeah, are the small laser I use, I listen to CDs, not watch them. And my parents were fully on board, so they got every single movie that they've even that that they've seen or heard of before on DVD, and just went, yeah, we can get them on DVD now. Like, like, hey, we didn't see Stop or My Mama Will Shoot at the cinema. We'll get it on DVD! Like, they got every kind of movie, and this was one of them. And this was one that they never seen before, but they wanted to because they like Richard Dreyfus. Because everyone loves Richard Dreyfus. I mean, he's the best part of... He's arguably one of the best parts of Jaws, you know, outside of, you know, Quint. But Quint don't work without Dreyfus. That's right. That's true. He's also in um, The Killer's uh, Christmas videos. Is he? Yes, he is. Is he their dad? He's Santa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so he's father christmas he's he's a grumpy santa yeah, i imagine and now he's like the best camp counselor in the whole Crippendorf tribe <laughs> and i grew up with this movie and i absolutely adore this movie i love the sentiment behind it and how risque it gets as well and i love the um 
multiple storylines that go on at the same time. It's very well constructed. So this movie, for those who haven't seen it, you're like, what's it about, Ryan? That's a good question. It's about a guy called James Krippendorf, who's an anthropologist who's got a family, a single dad, wife just died, he's been distre- distressed, and he didn't use any of his grant money to find this lost tribe that they were supposed to find in New Guinea. So he just basically makes up a lost tribe on the spot, and he names the tribe the Shamikidmu after the names of his children combined together. And then it just goes off from there. It's a movie about deceit in a comical fashion. It's a movie in which... Uh, He's basically forced to put a lie upon a lie. Uh, upon, upon a lie, to, exactly. To other people's... other people, And it's not like he necessarily goes out being like, I want to lie. He, he approaches the dean, and the dean... I can't wait to talk about that soon. We'll get to that. <laughs> but this is a colourful cast of characters. We have Janet Elfman here, who's everyone's favourite in Dharma and Greg. Greg. And, and she does an amazing job here. Her character is a strong, independent woman who wants to financially profit off and become famous off of someone else's research that he did not, in fact, do. That's foreshadowing to one of the reviews later, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a film where Lily Tomlin, the great, amazing comedic actress Lily Tomlin, has a monkey. Mm-hmm. And it farts. Excellent. Two things I love. And she drags a poor woman with her to New Guinea to discover if this tribe's real or not because of her dare. We should probably point out Lily Tomlin is the rival character. And he's a bit jelly. Yeah, but I can't wait for you to describe her to to Ace. The way I describe her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took me a little while because, yeah, we'll get there. So, Ace, this movie relies on faxes. A lot. Oh, good. Like, this movie hinges on faxes. If he didn't... If he read that fax, he could have got prepared. But he didn't. That's called the inciting incident in a script. In Act 1, <laughs> there's the inciting incident. And this is it. This Him is it. not having read the fax. It's happening right And that's launching it. Aren't you surprised? Oh, I am... Oh. And later on in Act 3, at the height of the, of the conflict and resolution... A fax is there waiting. It's such a setup and a payoff. It's beautiful. So I grew up with this film. I may be bi- I may be biased in saying I think it's a great film. Am I biased in saying it's a great film, Bartek? You are, but Ryan, it is a great film. And I, didn't, <laughs> and I did not grow up with it. Oh yes. Yeah, it came back to life. Little animal baby. No, it's not a baby. It's a very old hamster. And now he tries to kill it. It's a it's, it's a, a baby. It's a hamster. If it's little. Baby. It's a baby. Everything that's little is a baby. Yeah. Hear that? Men with small penises. No baby. You got so baby this, dicks. So Ryan, this Whoa. this sequence right here is established. You stated that's the logic. <laughs> no. This sequence right here is establishing that he is a sociopath and he will be killing animals throughout the film. Man, I can't wait for him to kill animals later. Yeah. But we'll get back, back to him killing animals. Yeah. Now, the children... The children, Bartek. Yeah. There's children in this movie, and we've encountered a lot of child actors throughout the the entirety of our show. Some who are now famous, you know, uh, Kirsten Stewart. Kirsten Stewart, which one is it? I keep forgetting with her. What film was she in that we've done? Catch That Kid. Catch That Kid. In which she caught a kid. Of course, that's right. I I forgot which one she was. Frankie Muniz. She was in that sparkly vampire film. Oh, yeah, Yeah, she was in Zathura. She was in Zathura, yeah, yeah. 
So we have some amazing child actors here, and I love that Natasha Leone, who's the who's the eldest child, the, the the sister, the girl. She's obviously famous now for being uh, Nikki in the TV show Orange Is New Black. Okay. And most prominent role, film wise, would most likely be that of her small, tiny role in American Pie as the chick who's had sex before. So the pie. <laughs> No, the America. <laughs> okay. America. Oh, yeah, he's Lily. That strawberry. She loves he's that Lily. Strawberry. Everyone, this is a comedic actress of the ages. She was in Nine to Five with Dolly Parton, and she somehow was better than Dolly. I know. I'm surprised too. She's better at eating strawberries. The monkey. <laughs> the monkey. So, Bartek. Yes. What, what, Lily Tomlin's in this movie as his as his rival, Ruth Allen. Yes. Who does she remind you of? Well, I noted that she looks a lot like an animated character that she voiced that also had a... Wait, did she voice that character too? Yeah, that's why I said Holy it. shit, I didn't know that. And, I, and the, again, that character also has an animal that follows it around. Oh so. no, what's that character? It's Miss Frizzle from the Magic School Bus. I didn't know that because this is why, this is the funny thing. Bardock said to me the other day, hey, Lily Tomlin looks like Miss Frizzle. Yesterday, yeah. And I said... Okay, cool, excellent. I didn't know who Miss Frizzle was. I assumed, like, one of the Mr. Men characters. <laughs> so I googled Miss Frizzle, and then it was like, oh, the chick from the Magic School Bus, because, to be honest, this is my only childhood memory of Magic School Bus. My parents had it on TV once, and mm. I remember I didn't care for it. I just didn't like it. I, I didn't know. And my parents went, not liking it? All right, let's chuck on a video. And they chucked on a video of a recorded episode of South Park. <laughs> and it was an episode of South Park in which uh, one of the first few seasons where they're on a school bus being killed by an oh, evil monster that outside. Oh, episode. And they're all just flashbacks, but every single incident ends with them eating ice cream. Yeah. That was my childhood memory of the Magic School, school bus. bus episode. I didn't know that she was the voice of her, really. Yeah, yeah. Far out. That's why she dressed up, she cosplayed as her own <laughs> character. They nailed it. Well, she's got like the... Did she have a monkey? No, she had a lizard. No, she had children. They were the real animals. She had a lot of <laughs> lizard motif going on, like frill-necked lizard, frizzled. Frizzled. I now, think the lizard's name was Liz. <laughs> Lemon? <laughs> so, Ace. Mm. You you didn't watch the movie. I didn't watch the movie. No. You you read the synopsis. I though. did. Were you impressed by the synopsis? Look, I'm I'm not gonna say that this is Richard Dreyfuss's magnum opus. Yeah. Yep. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> it that wouldn't be true. You're just implying it. No. We were old children that were born in the '90s and grew up partially in the '90s. Looking back at the '90s. Hashtag '90s kid. Yeah. Looking back to the 90s, do we wish that we more, had more of Natasha Leone's style? You know, with, with the like the, 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 the hair like parted in the middle, but it's tied up and and like, you know, the, the nice necklace thing. I, I miss necklaces. Like, why don't people wear them anymore? I'm fairly <laughs> certain that a large portion of the population still no, wears we're necklaces. No, we're just too fat to wear them now. We've got no necks <laughs> to, put on, to put a piece of lace on it. That's fine. No, do we do we miss the nineties at all from what we remember of it? Because there's always that thing of now it's like people are recollecting on the eighties so much in media and obviously we didn't grow up in the eighties. But then there's that thing of only nineties kids or whatever. It's like, man, I grew up in the nineties, but like I don't remember much of it. It's kind of just Honestly, a blur. It wasn't until I would say 
2000 to 2001 where I could comfortably have English as my primary language. So the 90s is a period that's just suspicious really that he learned it after 9/11. Weird. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Truth. You don't want to come across as a terrorist. They're like, remember, did you was... speak English when that happened? Papa, no. <laughs> I remember there was a part in grade one where I said the word initiative and the teacher was really happy. <laughs> Do you know what I meant? Yeah, it was course. weird I that he said it. it in that kind of like, what context were you saying? He just it? said it. She's like, oh, and wow. She was, what's, what's, <laughs> what's your take on it? Initiative. And then sits down. It's like, weird. We were talking about 9 11 yeah. and the terrorists. So, and you're like, ball. they took initiative. No, she was like, I think she was telling some kid, like, oh, this is how you have to, like, do your work. You know, you have to try. And I think I overheard it. I'm like, use initiative. <laughs> That's exactly how I said Eavesdropping. Little, little bit Bartek's eavesdropping. I think I was waiting in line to, like, talk to her. So I That's no behind. excuse. That was not your conversation to, to jump in with oh, initiative. I don't know <laughs> what words you're... Excuse I'm, me, I, there's I nothing sexier than a creepy little ginger kid that doesn't speak. Look at those eyes. Yeah, that was me in the 90s, so... Yeah! That's it? Mm. So you know that, right? Well, I mean, look at Ace. I mean, you could you could one plus one equals two, but <laughs> I mean, yeah. not helpful for the audio listeners out there, but the visual listeners who look through my window with binoculars and masturbate, you know what I'm talking about. And it's really weird because yeah, your blinds are up. Yeah, but they it's know how like to. They, they they got heat vision X ray goggles. A, it's a weird Twilight Zone kind of thing where it's also us outside. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird Twilight episode where we are the blinds. You know, like, that's how it ends. And this is the part where they're like, "Oh, look! This is the part where he says we are the blinds. We are the Krippendorf tribe." And then, yeah, this is the part where he says we are the blind. And then you zoom. You you see that being said from over the shoulder behind of the guy saying it, the camera goes across his shoulders, pans around and goes to the front and is a blind man. <laughs> and then, even, twist. then even further back, there's another version of us like, oh, there's us acknowledging the episode. This scene here really reminded me where he's about to speak to a bunch of dissatisfied people. He also said, good evening, gentlemen. Half of them are women. Hey, um, we don't half. know that. Oh, I thought only one I just looked was. at them. Well, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> You're right. No one's anything. No one is anything. This, it's all about fact, Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah, and Jenna one. Elfman. I guess. Dude, did you read this? Did the synopsis include the lovely sex scene that we're going to get in this kid's it, movie? It didn't. Oh, boy, That's oh, boy. Boy, it's a, it's, boy. A, it's, a, it's a very tribal one. Now, is that Mila Kunis in this, or did I? Oh, oh we don't want we don't want to get too much into how Mila Kunis is in this movie. But boy, is she in this movie? <laughs> now, can we talk about this gentleman here, also, Stephen? This is, the, hold on, this is the year that that Sony show started, so that's you know, yeah reference for what kind of Mila Kunis. So, this is Stephen Root. For a bit of info for Ace and people who haven't solidly listened. Stephen Root is a, an amazing character actor. He's the voice of Mr. Dotrieve in King of the Hill. He's, he's yeah. Mr. Dotrieve. And he's also, most prominent TV role is the boss in news radio. And he's in a lot of stuff, but he was in an episode of this show. Two. He, no, I'm giving the backstory. Oh, he was in an episode of this show called Over Her Dead Body in which Evil and Gloria died. Mm-hmm. And he killed her accidentally, kind of. And Bartek was like, yeah, yeah, let, whatever. Let, this pathetic, this pathetic fat guy, and then went on a fifteen-minute monologue about one actress who appeared in one scene, who was a voice actress in a Final Fantasy game. And I was like, hold on a sec, Steven Root's a fucking acting treasure. He's great. And this is where I would like to point out that Ryan loves Steven Root so much he chose to take my word as insulting the actor, not the character. 
Yeah, but his character wasn't even a pathetic fat guy. That was the it best was. part. He was a pathetic fat guy. He's <laughs> <laughs> talking about he was. Play it back. And then <laughs> he's, appeared, he's appeared in Drillbit Taylor as a high school principal with no moral values. And here he is today as a dean with strict moral values. The best part about this character is... He's a realistic kind of dude. So in a lot of films, when you see the stuffy old Dean, they 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 always play it like one or two notes. They're always like, "I'm the Dean, and I'm all about the rules." Or like they they like you know they're a bit more like, "I'm the Dean, I'm relaxed." Yeah, like the Simpsons. Exactly. This guy, Stephen Root, in a movie that he's not in very much, he manages to channel so much raw energy into his performance. He can be threatening. He can be menacing. He can be beliv. You know, he can he can be uh, he can be joyful. He can be foolish. He he's got so much range in what is a one-dimensional character, like not mm. even two dimensions. But he brings three, maybe even oh, four. Whoa! So you get wet in the front seat. I'm wet right now. No, okay, good. Yeah, I'm wet right now. And I just wanted to say, like, that sequence that we just saw in which uh, Richard Dreyfuss wanted to tell the truth. Yeah. To his 20 years old friend. Yeah. Stephen Root... Friend for 20 years, not that he's 20. (laughs) I actually was looking at you like, why is he 20 years... I mean, Stephen Root's, A, not a pathetic fat guy, and B, not 20 years old. Again, I was talking about his character in Over a Dead Body, not the actor. Yet again, I don't know how old he is. What happens if he is only, like, 28? Well, this is is our earliest look at him (laughs) on this show. And he's one of those actors who basically look... To be honest... He actually always looks the same. They just give him different hairstyles and it dramatically changes everything. Right, in the sequence order that we've done, we've only been going backwards. Oh my god, we're going to get to... And each one is from a different decade. We're going to get to the point in when we're looking at his ultrasound. We need an 80s Stephen Root film next time. We're going to look at his ultrasound and be like, man, he gives such an in-depth performance (laughs) in his mother's womb. And then, and then, and, sperm. and then we're going to go back to the genitals of his father, and then from there we're going to go to the primordial ooze, and there's no going you could, you back. Could, you could almost say, right, uh, that we'll go to the root. Yeah, the root. <laughs> that was a joke there. <laughs> no need to say Correction, so it was a clever joke. <laughs> Correction, it was wit. That was wit. A witty joke. Oh, okay, all right. Now. This is an important scene, Ace. Okay. You've probably read about this scene a lot. I have, in my dream journals. Well, this is kind of like the second... What was that term you used about the facts? Inciting incident. Yeah, the second one, because this is where the the initial lie is told. This is where it begins. He decides, because Ruth Allen... Amazing name, by the way. I love people with two names as a name. You know what I mean? A lot of people have two names. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like like Dick James, you know what I mean? Like like people with two first names as names. It's not too common with Polish people, I guess. Yeah, like, you know, we can't have the luxury of being called Ruth Allen in this world, you know what I mean? And what a great name for Ruth Allen, because she really does look like the type of person and has the name of a type of person, a woman, who would have a monkey in a university. Like, like, he's a real Jane Goddard type, yeah? Yeah, I guess, like, the name Ruth starts with an R. It's, like, Red and Allen. You know, Let's like read the in-depth in meaning into Ruth Allen's name. And Allen's, like, Tim Allen. Wasn't he in a film called, like, Jungle, Jungle to Jungle? Jungle to Jungle, which was a competitor for this film, actually. Did so. that have a monkey in it? No, but it had racism. 
And so does this there film, In Spades. And maybe that's why this film isn't getting the love. We haven't talked about that. Why have people not heard of this movie? Why has Bartek not heard of it? Why has yeah. Ace... Why am I the only fortunate soul to have heard of it? You know, why am I well, if we, the opposite of Ursula's song? Well, right, if, if we look at this... Disney reference, by the way. If we look at this... Here we go, Walt again. If we look at this in depth, the inciting incident for you is your parents. You're right. We have to go back to how my parents got bored and work out. And then led to them buying the DVD and then work our way forward. You know those uh, documentaries like making a murderer and they go like all the way back and work their way like they give you the nugget of what's happened now and then go all the way back and then throughout the whole entire time of the documentaries they go back and forth at different times to kind of make you go like ooh that's what we have to do about the Krippendorf's tribe incident making a tribe is what this documentary should be called and it would just be about how my parents wanted to watch this movie Mm. and it would end with my mum just working at Big W and then it's like the next 20 years roll by. And then she's like, oh my god, there's a DVD here called Crippendorf's Tribe. I'm going to get that for $8. And then that's the end. Like, Finn comes <laughs> on the screen. And Ryan, no, no. They're just like, oh, we'll get this. And Ryan will watch it. End. Finn. And then, and then, oh yeah, Finn, sorry. No, no, and then, then my dad will go, maybe one day he'll meet another Polish man. And then it cuts to your parents. <laughs> because we have to figure out how we united on this. And then it cuts to like, and we need a guest for the show. It goes to Ace's parents. And Ace's whole entire journey. This is an 18-part miniseries. <laughs> where the episodes are two hours long each. In which we get into the balls of the movie and the balls of us all alive. Yeah, and throughout the whole journey, you'll realize why only Ryan had heard of it out of the three of us. And it's just because my mum worked at Big W. (laughs) 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 But we present the order of the episodes in a weird manner. So, like, Ace is first, (laughs) (laughs) and then me, and then you, and then your parents mm-hmm. and then Ace's parents and mine is last yep. so that way that at least makes sense so you get up with my dad being like he needs to find someone and then like it cuts to like a, a childhood photo of Bartek smiling <laughs> and, and then Finn comes up and then they give like 10 seconds in one episode <laughs> talking about like the actors in the film and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 Richard Dreyfus said in a tweet that he had a lot of fun making this movie no he had a lot of fun working with Jenna Elfman in this movie too bad the movie was crap that's one of the two pieces of trivia on IMDb about this movie, Ace, in case you wanted to know. This is a movie that has two pieces of trivia, and the other piece of trivia Bartek is... Mm, let's see if I can remember it. I, uh, that's the one that I had on my mind. Uh, the other one that... <laughs> I was thinking about it all day. He thought about it all... It was what his Friday on his mind was all about. I, I do like how one of the trivia points about it was related to a website that didn't exist at the time the film came out, though. Twitter. Yeah, exactly. No, the other piece was one of the African tribe member guys' his, uh, last movie. It was his last movie. Oh, I don't remember that. Piece. Yeah, it was like... Guy who goes by, like, Zokesmokes, last movie. And I'm like, who's this? Found out the guy just retired and just died in 2011. I thought, like, oh, he died. Who was this? There's old people in this movie. Surely it was one of them. I don't remember that at all. I'll take you You're just, it, You know what they say about Bartek? 
bad boy Bartek doesn't do research. I've been thinking that's been on my mind all day. (laughs) (laughs) All day. So, Ace. Yes. This film is about duplicity. Okay. And in our current uh, time and landscape Mm -hmm. of comedies, movies, shows, with a more um, socio-political world... A comedy like this that involves blackface and a cultural appropriation and, um, oh boy, an interesting sex scene uh, may not fly in this day and age. Do you think that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing? I think you can get in a lot of trouble if you start thinking, oh, I know it's a different time. It still doesn't make it okay. I feel like it it definitely... We haven't heard of it, except you, uh, because pretty progressive now this is kind of thing isn't really oh popular. this film's pretty progressive no nowadays a lot of things is more like are more progressive so you have a blackface move and you're like dear god why yep. i mean i hadn't heard about it because like it's super racist and i come from trelgan and like there was enough of that already so, <laughs> i'd had my film. wouldn't this be on at the local cinema on repeat <laughs> no this is a live action every day <laughs> <laughs> well in all fairness is, like, the great TV show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia discussed this, which is, is there ever an appropriate time to use blackface in a film or art? I... Oh, I because in context of the movie, it is somewhat appropriate because he's pretending to be the king of the tribe to yeah. enforce his lie... Even more. In terms of it, it is saying this guy is morally bankrupt and terrible, but he doesn't mean to be. I think it's all about how you portray it, too. I mean, mm. if they're doing blackface and he's being culturally appropriate, but everyone, like, he's an asshole, then it's like, okay, well, only assholes do this. What so. about Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder? Oh, he needs a smack, doesn't he? <laughs> Did you not like his blackface? Uh. He got an Oscar nomination for that. <laughs> Didn't this make it to the Oscar noms? No. <laughs> this Google has lied to me. This, hint, hint. The Oscar nom conversation? That's going to play into one of the reviews later. <laughs> and, okay, what about you, Bartek? What do you, what's your think on, on that? <laughs> what's on the progressive? <laughs> what's your... What's your deal? <laughs> what's my deal? Um, Genetic. I just think that people shouldn't work in absolutes. Like, don't say... Like the that. Sith! Yeah, only the Sith do an absolute terrain. That's an absolute statement. <gasps> oh my god, that means... So Obi-Wan the, is... The spin-off Obi-Wan Kenobi movie is going to be revealed that he was a Sith all along. He trained Luke to fail in The Force Awakens, so that way everything ties together. I am together. Jedi. I nailed... Oh, here it is. Oh. <laughs> Children. But hey, they're also in tribal war paint. There's like two levels of... Like, <laughs> there's blackface and then there's tribal paint on top of the blackface. What about whiteface? Is that okay? Is white chicks okay? I don't... I haven't seen <laughs> white chicks and I Oh, don't. white chicks is a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> I would want to cover it on this show, but it is so good. Like, like it is too... Like, Terry Crews is the best. It's definitely... Um... I feel like lampshading is a problem. Like, oh, we're doing something problematic. Look, we're pointing it out, but we're not making any like comments on it. Mm. Or well, like fun that. fact, they never point it out, so they don't <laughs> lampshade in this so movie. What about- and no, the only point they get to the discussion of this being wrong is Natasha Lyonne complains that the red dye out of her hair won't come out. 
Like in terms of the face painting and all that, there no one complains. So no lampshading there, right? So that's good. What if, what if there was a film that was about blackface? Would it be kind of awkward not to have blackface in it? Well, no, you've got to have blackface if you're making it. What, what would that film be? <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, don't work in absolute. Starring Marlon Wayans in blackface. And it's like he's wearing a white face out the movie and every white guy's wearing blackface. And it's like, what if? It's like a very good saying. It's very common, but, you know, people don't say it too often. Have your wits about you. That's exactly what they wrote as the, you know, synopsis of this movie. I yeah, that's the tagline. It's probably from the Bible. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck it. I don't know. I don't read. I watch Natasha Leone in blackface. I mean, in all fairness, though, would you read? The it's no- not really a surprise to see Natasha Leone in blackface, is it? I mean, I, I, she, she's always been one of those actresses that would just do shocking things, and she gets away with it because she's just got that voice. What if you're an albino but you are African? Well, that also applies to um, Klingons. And start. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's liken a very real thing. <laughs> because have you ever noticed that Klingons are never white people? They're always brown. And Christopher Lloyd played one. Is that blackface as well, Klingons? Because they're painted up to look like is Mongolian Ch- so slash Ch- black, and they would get black Chewbacca people. Would well. blackface? No, he's brown. <laughs> okay. Look, I think that there are definitely themes that are triggering that you can still handle. It's just about the way you handle it. I'm handling it right now. I'm handling this movie's tone, its brilliance, the fact that the copy I'm watching is currently refreshing itself because Google Play, five out of five. I'll tell the audience when it comes back what time we're up to. Oh boy, it shut down. Yay. <laughs> Yay. This is... Oh boy. So the movie's going to go into a detour for a second, or will it? We'll never know. Yeah. Bartek? We'll know, we'll know like, very soon. <laughs> we'll know. We're talking about blackface and how yummy and bad and good it is. Look, we're in a... Oh, we're gone. Well, look, when you, like, say reading a book or just watching a TV show... There's a theme there that you're like, oh, that makes me personally uncomfortable because of my experiences, that sort of thing. Um, it's all about how it's handled. I mean, like, having something racist in it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It just depends how it, they pull mm. it off and what they mean. Yeah, by exactly. Like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia rides on that kind of derision throughout its whole entire thing yeah. by being terrible. Okay, guys, we're back. Okay. We're 29 minutes and 51 seconds. Yeah, I think we're a bit behind. We're a bit behind because Google Play, five stars. It's only a multi-billion dollar company, <laughs> right? You know, that's that's what I thought of when I when I thought of Google Play. Like they own nearly everything. If they were, and this is by Disney, who does own everything. So and you paid for this too, right? Ah, uh, how I pay <laughs> for Grimpendorf and his tribe of merry children. If only we had that infamous DVD. Ah, I left that in my hometown of Kempsai. That's the anime version of my hometown. (laughs) Can you imagine that? I don't want to. The the hentai version of my life is... He lived in Kempsai. Kempsai, yeah. Yeah. Um, But the scene that we were about to watch before Google showed its multi-billion dollar greatness um, was the circumcision scene. Oh, boy! And there is something worth noting about the that scene in terms of when it comes to reviews for the Oh, film. I know about this. You do? Oh, yeah, but do yeah. tell. You know that one guy who we sometimes call the antagonist of the show? Yep. Roger Ebert? I fucking hate Roger Ebert. Glad he's dead. 
Terrible man. Surprisingly, he gave this film two out of four. That's half a rating. Well, it's half a full rating, which... It's half an empty rating. Which, honestly, for, for Roger depends, Ebert... Depends your mood. Yeah, this is around the part where we froze, and is it... Oh, I thought Calm it down, Vance. Like, <laughs> tell us what Roger thought. Roger, you know, so... Ebert, no, not any other Roger. For films that we do on the show, it's... We often expect him to give low ratings. he's a dick. I mean, he gave four out of four for Lakeview Terrace, but, you know. Yum, yum. Um, Lakeview. His very first line of his review basically said that it implied that he is recommending this film based off of one scene in particular, and that is the scene we are at right now. Um, yeah, yeah, he did. Because it made him laugh uncontrollably, apparently. And he said it in this manner where he was like, you know, sometimes you watch a comedy that's so stupid, so dumb, so inane, but there's one moment in it of where all those things combine perfectly and it makes you roll into laughter i have not laughed this hard at one of those moments since a bird's head was taped onto its body in dumb and dumber (laughs) and that made me laugh because i thought about that moment in dumb and dumber and then i was like oh man because i read that review before myself because I wanted to see his opinion before I watched the rewatch the movie, and I was like, "Man, I can't wait for that classic, like equivalent of the birdhead scene in Kripendorf's Tribe." And man, is he right! the The funniest part of this is is when the kid screams. Beautiful. Oh, oh, that was a good face. I mean, Roger even laughed. So two stars out of four. Why did he not give it another two though? I don't know, it just wasn't a Lakeview Terrace run. I guess he was racist. You know, he was for blackface, and they and the film was saying, Lakeview- see, this is us saying no by not mentioning how wrong it is. Well, speaking of whiteface, not because of it has whiteface, but because like racist to white people, uh, Lakeview Terrace, he gave that full marks. So uh, what does that say? It says he's a white supremacist. That's exactly it. Nailed it. Maybe. Glad we could slander him beyond the grave. It's been almost a year since we did Lakeview Terrace. It's been almost a year since Richard Dreyfus tweeted about this film. What an emotional experience it must have been for him to have done this movie. And then acknowledge it later. (laughs) Guys, we've talked about Dick Dreyfus. Do we know much about Dick Dreyfus? Do we know his filmography and do we know the calibre of actor he really is before having had to watch this film? I get the feeling you know him, Ryan. Yes, I do. I met him before in my dreams Ooh. I said met him before and then Ace looked at me like when you should have you should have fucking opened with this you're right last met, five seconds of the episode met, by the no, way I met him my review I met Richard Dreyfus. bye <laughs> he was I talked to him about this film he gave me some incredible answers bye he made a comment then he's like I'm gonna tweet that yeah yeah so but no so you give me the indication no um uh, Probably not. Uh, he might have been in some things I saw, but I don't know that I remember him in them. What about you, Ace? I'm pretty much in the same boat. So have you guys not seen Jaws? No, I actually haven't seen Jaws. Bate? Maybe a long time ago. <sighs> Did you watch it yesterday, Ryan? I is watched his you... entire filmography, including the film Let It Ride, which is on the list, by the way, of movies. No, he's, um, he's the marine biologist in uh, Jaws. He's great. He's arrogant and pompous and naive as well. It's all beautiful. And then, obviously, you're going down Spielberg route. He's in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He has the famous scene that Homer reenacts where he's making a mountain out of mashed potato. 
And then he like points to it to his wife and goes, this means something. And the whole entire film is leading to him meeting aliens. They've been communicating with him through potatoes. And that's a spill. And it's a... Of the mashed kind, of yeah. The mashed kind, yeah, I should have said that. Uh, you know, and then that's like one of Spielberg's greatest films, you know. Beautiful. I like how he edited in, like, the real footage with the fake. Footage. Well, that's how you make a, a, a fake film. Uh, you have to edit in reality. So that way it looks genuine. I'm a ma- master of tomfoolery. Uh, you know. Are you a master of tee-hee-hees, though? Uh, everyone's a master. Everyone... Is that Stephen King? Because <laughs> that guy was one of my favorite one-off characters. Because he comes up to him and says, "Hey, Grimmendorf, something about like he wants him to meet his kids or something." And then he's like, "I gotta go to a class," and he's like, "A class?" <laughs> and then we never see him again. Like, like, yeah, because he's in class. <laughs> because, because, hey, a skull cap, nice. <laughs> just casually in the background, gonna notice these things, Ace. You know, fine. That's called mise en scene. Oh, okay. In which the filmmakers included a fat man smoking behind them. But do you know that he's wearing his uh, jacket over his shoulder in a way that no human ever does in real life to indicate that he's an artist type or or someone in the entertainment biz because he's smoking a cigarette, wearing a, a kind of denim-y looking blue shirt with the leather jacket slung over. Yeah, he's ready to go. He's ready to stay. Could be either yeah. either. When I first saw him, and I, here he is. I thought, <laughs> I thought he looked a bit like Rob Reiner. I also thought he looked like he's Br- Rob. This guy's British though, so Rob he's Reiner. Got a British accent Maybe face. he's playing okay. Rob Reiner. He doesn't know that he's not British. It's British Rob Reiner. You're gonna say it's okay. Uh, no, okay. I was agreeing because uh, Bart- Bartek said that he was British, and in yeah. my head, every character because it's subtitles right now is yeah. just my voice. So <laughs> it's pretty jarring. The best part is they are your voice. Oh. You should really listen to this movie. Like so, at the moment when Richard Dreyfus is scowling, it's you scowling. Mm. In fact, this is a mirror. There is no film. We have just put a mirror in front of Ace, and Ace is doing a one-man show of Gryffindor. Would you pay try. to see that? <laughs> I would fucking love to see that. I can't wait this. for the sex scene. No, it's going to be wild. <laughs> it's good. One this man is a, This is but I, this is a kids film. I mean every night. But <laughs> now, this film isn't afraid to push the envelope. This is a scene that says, "Hey envelope, prepare to be pushed because we have a young Mila Kunis in this scene." And the best part is you said this was around the same time. Same year that it started, I believe. So she would have been younger than she was 14. She would have been younger when filming this though than she would have been yeah. when so the best thing about this is, let's say Mila Kunis is 13 years old. Yeah, 13. Her voice has not changed. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's got more gravelly and, like, sexy. Like, no. She knows what she's about now. See, I've watched Jupiter Ascending, and she sounds the exact same as she does here in this movie. It depends what she's playing. Yeah, like, like she if she wants to play not husky... Yeah. yeah, if she wants to play sexy, she'll do that, I'm Mila Kunis. But if she's just playing Mila Kunis, she's like, it's me, Mila Kunis! Yeah, but have you ever, like, put her, like, two of her shows next to each other and listened at the same time? Yeah, yeah, I, I did that. We gotta do that now. Prove it. <laughs> Crippin' <Dwarf's> Tribe <laughs> and, and Family, family guy. guy. Oh, this is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, Fan is the Family Guy. I mean... There she is! Okay. If anyone's seen now, early that semi show, just imagine her saying, Michael, it's that voice. No. This is an emotional scene because the young boy has gone so much into making up the tribe that he has got a girl that's on her first menstruation 
and has said that in the Shamikidmu tribe, they uh, bathe the girl in pig's urine for days in a special hut. So he got a girl from his school that was on her first period mm. and was going to drain, like, just drain the main vein of the piggy all on her face. And she was totally up for it. How and that's the entirety of her in the film. And that's way. it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she was. Okay. Why is that pushing the envelope, though? Well... Have you seen many films where Mila Kunis had a pig's penis near her face? And you only see her face yeah. through some... You're lies. right, Ashton Kutcher, real life. <laughs> Whoa. He's a good egg. <laughs> you just got punked. <laughs> He's a good egg. You're a fucking liar. He's a good egg. You don't like Ashton Kutcher, Ryan? Uh, I liked... To, nah, he's a, he's a right. As an actor, eh, but as a person, yeah. I mean, except for when he was in Punked. He was a bit of a dick back then, <laughs> wasn't he? punk? Except for when he was dating... Demi Moore. Whatever happened to that? Like, they were like that magical couple of like the much older woman, the younger guy, and they actually beat all odds, and then they just disappeared, and then he went straight to Mila Kunis. Like, no in between? It's like, wow. Wouldn't that have been a practical joke if Mila Kunis on the set of that 70s show was like, hey, Ashton, here's, here's the plan. <laughs> I just watched a movie called Strip Tease last night with Demi Moore. She looks gross. You are the host of Punked, yeah? Yeah, I'm the host of Punked. <laughs> are you saying that his relationship with Demi Moore was just a long con? <laughs> it was such a big episode of Punked. It went up for years. It should be a movie like Punked the movie. <laughs> it could be called Punked the Bio, in which it's like also like a biography film of Punked's existence and, and tricking Demi Moore into thinking that she met her one true love. Wow, that's pretty emotional. It's kind of sad. Well, Punked was always kind of sad, wasn't it? Like, did you never watch Punked and went like, you know what, Frankie Muniz, I agree. I would be very upset if someone scratched the fuck out of the car that I just bought with my first ever paycheck. That was an actual episode. There's one where Elijah would, like, put a cigarette in a bin that he was allowed to, but then someone came out like, oh, you can't do that, we're going to arrest you. He was like, oh, I'm so sorry. He was, like, almost crying. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. My favorite's Justin Timberlake, where they did it to him multiple times, and, like, <laughs> there was the one time where Justin Timberlake, all of his stuff was getting removed from his house because, like, he owed money or something, and his girlfriend at the time was like freaking out, and he totally accepted it. He goes, "That's the price of fame." And like, sits, he sits down on the he sits in the gutter, and he actually says to himself, "This is it." <laughs> <laughs> like, he just accepts the fact that he could be de- he could be a destitute. <laughs> like, like he just accepts like, well, well my stuff, my stuff, my career over. Well, you know, <laughs> like, gonna- like he, he, he just accepts that he won't bounce back. Yeah. Make it, it's just in Timberlake. I mean, sexy back, right? Now, this is a quintessential scene as well, in which this is the inciting incident for plot B, which is Ruth Allen's journey to Papua New Guinea. Or why don't they ever say Papua New Guinea? They ever say New Guinea. It's just shortening it, really. Yeah, but Papa, Papa Eo. <laughs> What? <laughs> it's, it's, it's technically Papua, but yeah, Papua. Um, that was a Simpsons reference okay. to Hank Scorpio. Okay. Papa, Papa, you. No, you don't remember that? Nah. Classic Hank Scorpio line. Sorry. It's right Thanks up there with, have you ever seen a man throw away a perfectly good pair of shoes before? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jenna Elfman, the tallest woman in the land, might I add, bravely dares Miss Frizzle to take her magic school bus and an innocent woman, might I add. To it's her like her yes woman. It's her, it's her lover. 
I had one of these... I mean, she is married to a woman in real life. Yes. Yes. I looked up Lily Tomlin, and I kind of forgot how much Lily Tomlin has been in, in her extensive career. And when people mention funny women, she's still active as a funny woman. She's in Grace and Frankie. A show that's not personally for me. I checked out the first four episodes of it simply because of Lily Tomlin. Wasn't for me, but I could tell it was for the for the demographic of that age uh, of middle aged women. So I was like, yeah, Lily Tomlin's never someone that people mention in the list of funny women that's active. Like I always get kind of, I always kind of like roll my eyes a little when I hear like Betty White's like one of the first five that people mention because I'm like, yeah, Betty White's a funny woman and all, but like. Lily Tomlin's been, like, her whole career is, like, making extensive, dynamic, funny women, while Betty White always plays, like, Betty White and everything. Like, sure, Lily Tomlin always plays, like, a Lily Tomlin type, which is a woman who should always... Like, the best way to describe Lily Tomlin... You watch her in this movie, you can watch her in an older movie, you watch her in 9 to 5, watch her in Grace and Frankie. All of her characters seem like they're a woman who's just on the brink, uh, like, on the brink of a menopause. Like, that's always what I feel with Lily Tomlin. Like, Lily Tomlin's, like, having, like, some, like, midlife crisis, and she's, like, 24 in a movie. It's just, she's basically, like, if the Australian uh, comedian... Judith Lucy was a was a film actress. That's how I feel about Lily Tomlin. She's got that kind of cynical edge of a woman who's like way beyond her years. Like she has the mentality of someone who's like in wasn't their late fifties. Wasn't she in some awkward romance film with uh, John Travolta? Who wasn't in an awkward romance film with oh John Travolta? I, I heard that in that film they had very similar hairstyles, so they looked kind of incesty. Yeah, because John Travolta's hair is that of a woman. So, Jenna Elfman has many hairstyles in this. Do you miss, um... What's the thing she's wearing in her hair right now? Mm, a headband? headband? <laughs> it's, it's a specific headband, yeah, where it makes the hair look stupid all the time. <laughs> like, flattens part of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've got the I little teeth on them. The teeth, yeah, the, the teethy ones. Because you have headbands without, like, the prominent teeth like that. Hair Again! No, but it's like, band? we're going to just call it hairpiece. <laughs> Do you love her hairpiece in this? I love hers. Sure. She looks great. Yeah. I those big butterfly clips. Yeah. It's because Natasha Leone. Fun fact, you're not listening to this with the audio. Natasha Leone also hasn't changed her voice. Um, she's 14 in this movie. She sounds exactly like she does now in Orange is the New Black. And that's after her life where she's been like a heavy smoker, heavy drinker. Like heavy- the actress is 14 in this film? Yeah. She looked older. Yeah, I know. But she's just one, of the, and she sounds older. Or well, at least she may be fifteen, because her character stated to be thirteen at one point. And I'm like, mm. "Fuck me, is she thirteen? Jesus!" Because they go, "Because she sounds like Camila Kunis." Then because they ask her, "Oh, you know how to drive? You're only 13. and she goes, "Bob taught me." Like that's how she sounds. This is how Dad her. taught me. Yeah, this is how Dad taught me. That's exactly how she says. She sounds like Selma's child, you know, from <laughs> The Simpsons. Like, if you Patty and Selma had, like, other than their little, like, if they're... Jub-jub. <laughs> no, they have a no. Chinese baby now, don't they? What I'm Sel- saying is she sounds like Jub-jub. Patty did. Patty, yeah, I can't remember. She adopted some little Asian baby of some It was sort. a Chinese baby, Chinese, precisely, because yeah. the Chinese government was unhappy and had one of the best later season jokes, in my opinion, which was the, the, the woman that was stopping them revealed that her dad was like a ping pong champion 
and choked to death on a ping pong ball. And the very next day, the Heimlich maneuver was discovered. And I just like, she says it like this gravitas. Like in the very next day. Oh, we're, we're getting to the sex part. Oh. The thing I can't believe about this movie so far, like the, the is thing how that sexy it is. I can't suspend my disbelief because how did she get that monkey through customs into Papua New Guinea? Ah, oh, she has a. Well, the monkey. <laughs> you know, there's animal passports, Jen. Yeah, but like it just doesn't seem like she, a yeah. okay. like a disease you... kind of thing. I was just bullshitting. Like, there's animal passports. Okay. How do you think people get animals from A to B on travel? Oh, uh, I, I didn't think they'd call it a passport. There's an animal passport. Okay. Uh fun fact, and at least in uh, Europe, there's animal passports. Uh, there was a. Uh, you know how. In lots of media, like Blackadder, they have those that one joke party in England where it's like this mad, like like in Blackadder, it's like the, the idiot one, standing yeah. at the back looking stupid, looking stupid party. Yeah. Well, there was the actual like mad raving wolf loony party, and they had like one of their members was a cat, you know, that kind of thing. And they actually were a group that are still prominent, I think, but their leader was a musician called Screaming Lord Such. Nice. Who hung himself with those, um, in real life, hung himself with those, uh, um, those handkerchiefs that magicians pull out of their fucking sleeve. And they put through animal passports. And it made a dramatic difference on uh, how animals can be um, transported overseas because all of the logistics and paperwork before then was so tumultuous that basically only rich people or people who had the patience to do so would get their animals from A to B. I imagine it would be easier, like, intercontinental stuff, like, Mm. keep it on the plane, whereas getting one, like, getting that cabbage monkey from America to Papua New Guinea... Yeah, but Who I imagine. Please, I I don't know. I think she would have. Ruth well, Allen's would a meticulous woman. I think because she was saying, "Hey, monkey, no more fruit." You know what that does to you. I think she's very meticulous about her monkey. Now, Hayes, the one thing that we've been dancing around that the synopsis may have not brought up <laughs> is this is a family film mm. with a sex scene in it. Now, in this and sex scene, word. in this sexual scene here. She, throughout the entire movie, has been manipulating him, extorting him, kind of going through this rigmarole of being like, I'm profiting off your work, and now he needs money, so now he's profiting off what she's been profiting off of him, and he's gone to the point in which he needs to make a sex uh, mating ritual tape for For science, for scientific Mm -hmm. purposes to be aired on television. He knows this. But... To make a mating ritual tape, he cannot do it by himself, of course. He needs to have a partner to have sex with for scientific purposes, of course. Of course. So, he brilliantly decides to make sure Jenna Elfman, who he knows has a sexual attraction to him already, gets super drunk, seduces her, manages to convince her that this shield here is for... Uh, Women to measure their breasts over so that they know how ma- many pigs they're worth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. The hole in it is to grab the guy's dick, and he manages to convince her not only to have sex with him, not knowing that she's going to be recorded, but... <laughs> oh, we're going to see in a second what he manages to convince her to do off-screen, might I add. I'd love to see the scene that they would have cut for this transition from her grabbing his dick to them having sex. 
we're just gonna have to see it. Ace has his hand over the mouth, shocked. I'm just confused by the logistics of the shield because, like, <laughs> well, he's that's very not short. Where the Volve is, like, no, no, she's grabbing. Yeah, but then is no, that but just with her hand? Handy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's grabbing the hand with the hand because she says, "Are you saying this because I've so attracted like to me because I've got your dick in my your pe- I'm holding your penis." And he's like, "Yeah," and then it cuts from. This amazing moment here, let me slip into something more, more what? Comfortable. Mm-mm. Bam! Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he somehow managed to convince her to paint all of her body in <laughs> African, uh, in, in brown black body paint and do the full ritual get up. She's drunk and he decides. I'll make this look like uh, the tribal tribal area, and I'm going to record this and send it off to the TV man to put on TV without her knowing. That's how TV works, TV man. This is super <laughs> busted, like on so many levels. What do you mean? I mean, like, aside from the blackface taking advantage of her while she's drunk, also, like, taping her without her consent and then... But, but hey, hey, later on, she forgives him because... He sees her ass. <laughs> That's actually how it goes down. Yeah. Remember that? Yes, of course. <laughs> so this is the emotional... Mm, mm, mm. Oh, sorry, I was thinking of Lily Tomlin. She sees an ass as well at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lily Tomlin's character, Ruth Allen, is trekking through the jungles, losing men, by the way. They never state that, but if you look carefully, this is really good filmmaking. She is less people traveling with her as the journey goes on and everyone looks more and more disheveled as she gets closer and closer to destination her her companion has basically lost the will to live or her mind or both and it just seems to be like suddenly like people have died on this journey that's what i've always got from it because ruth allen's the kind of woman who's like keep going forward she's basically um the villain from tarzan Clayton. Clayton, yeah. Clayton. She's basically, uh, yeah, she's basically Clayton. Like, in levels of Brian ruthless. Brian Blessed. Who Speaking has one of the <laughs> meanest deaths in Disney movie, might I add. Remember his death? I haven't seen that film since maybe Throughout since. Through his own doings, he violently, brutally hangs himself on the vines. Oh, God. It's pretty gruesome, buddy. I, I should buddy. watch that film again. It's okay. I could do with less Phil Collins. Shut up. Fun fact, Phil Collins sucks. He made that movie. Fun fact, Rosie O'Donnell would actually made that movie. Wasn't she a gorilla? Yeah, she was the voice of the kid gorilla. She actually did a good job. People bag... Yeah. Yeah. Sick. People do bag that performance out being like, eat Rosie O'Donnell. I'm like, hey, Rosie did good at that. Like, give Rosie a break. Does she have a tooth cap on? No, it's smear of black paint on her tooth. She looks great. Her skin is going to be so dry, though. No. Yes. No, because he... Underneath that face paint. No, because he moisturised oh, her. Okay. We see this later. All oh, right. It looks like she's missing a tooth. Yeah, yeah it's, it's because yeah. she's got, like, all the paint stuff on her yeah. teeth and all that because they kissed and made out and she probably sucked his dick. Okay. And he would have gone to the effort of putting on his dick because, you know... Science. 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 (laughs) Covering up a lie. Now, hey, so here you're saying, how does she find out that he recorded her? 
Of course, it's during the emotional scene in which she goes down to her local electronics store and there's a wall of TVs that show graphic sex and a bunch of men are wooting going, Yeah, shake that booty, baby! Because they like science. Because they like science. And then she slaps one of them and he defends himself with probably one of the best lines of defense you could say, which was, <laughs> What's up? I wasn't saying it about you. <laughs> like... That this is the worst camp movie I've ever seen. I think this is the point where we you should remind... You haven't watched Camp Fred. This, this might be a point where we should remind our listening people. Like We're saying a lot of things that might be taken as like, oh my god, that's horrible. But remember what this show is called. This is unappreciated masterpieces. Yeah, exactly. We're still getting to why this film is one of the greatest films ever made. Because it has one so of don't the lose best hope or jokes ever made. Don't lose hope or anything. There are many tee-hee-hees. There are many poignant moments. There's a goat. And there's a goat. That gives you a hoo-ha-hee. I think in Polka it's Ossa. <laughs> it's what? Ossa. Ah, oh, I thought you said Polka. And I'm like, I love Polka. <laughs> no, no. So look, this journey just keeps getting better and better. There comes a point, I don't know if we're up to it, but like, the the men are like speaking in their native tongue and it sounds like, ooh, something mystical is happening or something dangerous and whatever. And, and they don't want to go further. And she's like, What's happening? Oh, this is the ass. Yeah, yeah. What's happening? Why don't they want to go further? And and you're expecting, like, animals or danger. And it's like, the hill is very high. And she just, like, slaps them. Like, like how fucking dare you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking native language. Yeah, oh, yeah, this is it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. What's wrong? Like, this is Miss Frizzle on her own adventure outside <laughs> of the class. In which she wants to... This is something I love about this movie. This is a movie in which um, we haven't touched on one of possibly my favorite characters, which is there's a group of academic people in this movie who spend the whole entire time either trying to disprove one another or trying to lie about something. None of them actually do work. I love movies in which she could afford the month or two off to go to Papua New Guinea and scavenge her way through just to disprove him and take her friend with like man i know anthropologists must get a lot of money but like just a casual trip oh here he is i also chief of the drive i also like how she's going to all that effort when you think back to the consideration that should uh james krippendorf be telling the truth he got there with his whole family so yeah it implies that like it wasn't that tough of a trip yeah, 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 yeah. The wife died. We don't know how. Well, true, but she, she we, the, in the footage, she met the tribe, so she got there at least. Now, this movie hinges on the fact that we are following an unlikable character, an anti-hero on a level. He's someone who's out and out grumpy, someone who's doing something morally wrong, but for for himself... But he learns a lesson at the end of the day, and that lesson is family means all. Moisturize yeah. before you put on your black face. Yeah, yeah. Grow strong. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's learned that lesson because there are He wears a fake beard. There so. are short periods of time between him having it on and not having it on later on, and he looks, you know, uh when he needs to look like this, he looks like this. When he's normal and white, he looks like he hasn't just taken off makeup. Well, yeah. One of my favorite characters, possibly my favorite character in the film Bartek is... In the film Bartek? In the film of Bartek's life is his mama. I love his mum. Physically, of course. So what I'm going to say about Bartek is Ruth Allen's other colleague, the male colleague yeah. that's left behind, 
He is without a doubt my favorite character in this movie. He has an incredible accent going on. Yeah. He has an incredible look in which he's wearing a three-piece suit. I mean, Ace, you'd like you love that. You love Hannibal. I do. This I guy, do when you see this guy, you could be like, yeah, I could see him playing playing uh, Mads Mikkelsen like <laughs> as Hannibal. Playing the person. <laughs> playing him the playing disgusting marionette. <laughs> playing Mads Mikkelsen as Hannibal. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he wears his skin. Yeah, his accent kind of has a tinge of a bunch of different European... It's because yeah. that man is from all of them. Yeah. He's like Michael Fassbender, a citizen of the world. Are you talking about Mads or this guy? What? What are you... Who? He's We're talking him. about a character okay. that you haven't seen he, yet. No, he's, he's been... We've seen him, but he's, been he's not on screen. Multiple times, but he's a balding a man with a goatee and wears three-piece suits and a, and a bow tie. Before, okay. before Lily Tomlin went to um, New Guinea, her like little trio was her, the f- girlfriend, and the guy friend. Okay. Yeah. And the guy friend's the one we're talking the about. The fuck boy. You know, and this guy is great because one of the things I love is they have this ongoing thing. It's not a big joke. I love jokes that are really subtle or humorous moments that are really subtle that you don't even have to necessarily laugh at. You just go, I like that. That's nice. You know, it gives you a little smile. He has this ongoing thing. And the more I watch it, the more I notice it, which is he fucking despises young people. He hates them. So you have a scene of him writing on an assessment, because he's a university professor, writing on an assessment, he actually writes his days, um, phone up your parents to tell them that they're wasting their money, just drop out. Mm. And then puts it down, and I'm like, yes! And then later on, he comes to uh, the kids here to try and uh, get the Krippendorf's research papers to try and disprove about the tribe. And he goes... Let me in, you know, I'm great with kids. And they just say no and close the door. And then he proceeds to storm away, screaming out how much he hates children. (laughs) And then you keep seeing him from that point on, describing how much he hates kids. Like, like, it comes a point in which Krippendorf gets found out for being a liar. Or so you think. Don't want to spoil it, you know. And, uh, I do. He does. Technically. And, And he storms in, like, being like, I knew it! I knew it! Those kids! They were in on it! Ooh! And, like, shakes yeah. his oh, yeah, finger. Yeah, how they're part of the conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. they're part of the conspiracy! Like, like, he's just... I think his agenda throughout the entire journey for him is not to necessarily disprove Krippendorf, but just to prove that kids are jerks. <laughs> like, that's exactly yeah, and, what... It, and oh, honestly, we're not, even, we're not even up to the point where he becomes more prominent in the film. We're literally so going to get to the scene in which he becomes prominent, I think, in which my favourite scene in the movie... Which is, they go, they get the, uh, oh, this is the sex scene replayed for her value. Yum, yum. Ace, they have an amazing scene in which they have to get the chief in an interview on television with the famous Larry Swift. Who also, my favorite character has one of my favorite lines, which is when he finds out Krippendorf lied to him. He's like, how dare you? You made me lie to the great Larry Swift. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? They get the chief on the interview show, but boy, oh boy, how can he be Krippendorf and the chief on the show at the same time? What? What a He makes situation. up a great lie, which is, my brother died, and he gets a colleague that he knows is against him to be him on the show, because he knows that he can't get her on because he's pissed her off. With the sex when thing. You, when you're saying be him, it's... You, you not make like, 
She's not. He's not disguising himself, but like standing in for you. Standing him for him to describe the Shamikidmu, a man who has no idea about anything about the Shamikidmu, and he's he been given notes to like read, basically. I like how she's slowly figuring it out. Like, hmm, interesting. <gasps> At what point in that Ace? If this was you, yeah, you were you were Jane Elfman in this situation, and I was Richard Dreyfus. Right. Okay. Yep. And you saw this in the <laughs> smacks. I was like, I wasn't talking about you. If you saw this, right? You saw this program. At what point of it being shown to you would you realize that it was you? Pretty quickly. I mean, I don't know. The, like immediately? Well, oh, maybe not immediately. Maybe like, there's like disbelief. I'm like, that can't be me. And then, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> so she did the right amount of reaction. Mm. Suppose, look at there him. Here he is. Okay. Hannibal's younger brother. <laughs> Chilton type. No, it's Hannibal. He's wearing a three-piece suit. And a bow tie. Well, Hannibal wears his normal ties because he's lame. <laughs> That's him. This is Hannibal's brother who went into anthropology instead of psychology. <laughs> like, like he has intense conversations with students like Hannibal does with his patients in which he just talks about inane metaphors for hours on end. Like, like in the TV show Hannibal, it's like a lot of like, you know, do you believe in God? And it's like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, God's got to be real, right? It's like, yeah, well, you know. And this is him, but he does it like with tribes. It's like, so, Clarissa. Do you believe in tribes? <laughs> well, I think the answer is, are we all a tribe? <laughs> and it's played with like the Hannibal type music where it's like that horror music. And it's like, ooh, this is going to lead up to someone being fucking killed. And then nothing happens for an entire season. Aren't we all creeping I would watch his show. Now, this is the best scene in the entire movie in which, uh-oh, she comes on. Oh, she knows no. it's him. And then she proceeds to um, basically ridicule him and demean him throughout the entire interview. And it has one line of dialogue that the... Well, we're watching this without sound, as mentioned. We're watching the subtitles. Subtitles do no justice, Ace. This is great. The chief, he puts on a chief voice, you know. He's like, I'm a mess! And all that. Yeah. He has one of my favorite lines in which she's being a real dick to him, you know, saying, like, he's got a small penis and all this kind of stuff. And... He just groans and he gives in his voice. He just goes, You bitch. And she yeah. translates that. Yeah, she translates that into like a full long thing of what it means. And even Larry Smith's like, Wow, all that from three se- three syllables? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he said that all in three syllables. Yeah, very concise. It's one of my favorites because Richard Dreyfus really delivers that. He's like, You. Because. She's doing it as well. She's doing the ah, the But that sounds like very obvious what she's saying. Well, Richard Dreyfus, he knows exactly how to do. It. He's like you. He drags it out, <laughs> deepens the voice. That way, it sounds a bit more realistic than uh, you know, like hit the the and all that kind of stuff. But great, great, great. I mean, do you think he's sitting there right now, Ace, thinking, I was working with Steven Spielberg. Now I'm in blackface. My career's gone up. To be fair, most of his face isn't black. I mean, most of it is, but... Nah, I know. His eyes and his neck are... We don't know what's under the beard. Well, no, it's just white. His real facial hair, actually, but yeah. And now he's grabbing her titty. Mm. Because 
If you need to silence a woman, grab the titty. Yeah. He's the fuckboy now. Like, oh, I sent nudes of you to everyone. <laughs> You're mad about that? What a bitch. For science. Bitch, it was science. Get over it. Can you imagine it's all of like science? Australian, like, wog. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's an Australian fuckboy. It was for science, miss. <laughs> oh, miss, it was for science. <laughs> what good irreverent humour. <laughs> Habib, I don't think an entire scientific analysis of the show Fat Pizza is really for science. Oh, come on, Miss Bobo got shot in one episode and he managed to survive. How wicked! And that's for the Australian listeners. I was thinking more of the uh, culturally sensitive Summer Heights High, but yeah. Culturally sensitive? Not Angry Boys in which um, Chris Lilly does go in full blackface? But he was playing a rapper, so... You know. Well, that makes it okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that is, because Eminem doesn't exist. You can't play well, white rappers. Because <laughs> Bartlett said it was okay that he did blackface in a comedy show because he's playing a rapper, but, you know, Eminem exists. He's a white rapper. It <laughs> proves that you can do a white rapper character. Yeah, it's almost like there are heaps of, like, I don't know, indigenous and Asian roles that, like, actors could fill. Yeah, you know. Wild. I can't wait to play Ming the Merciless in Flash Gordon. I can't wait for that. What? My partner got that as like a birthday present from his brother and reading the back of it. Have you watched it? No, I'm never going to. Okay, no, no. Ace, this is... Anyone listening, this is a true statement. If you're ever going to watch... You should check the DVD if it has a commentary track because you have really not lived... Until you've heard Brian Blessed's commentary on Flash Gordon, because he is amazing in the movie. He's very much like Tim, like Brian Blessed and Tim Curry are very similar people. In fact, that the way they talk about themselves as if they're great, because they are great. Brian Blessed's commentary for Flash Gordon is basically him being like this: Ah, look at me there. I've got such lovely legs. <laughs> and talks about like how how his legs have the right amount of femininity and masculine. <laughs> he just goes through, through the whole time. Why does your Brian Blessed voice sound so scary? <laughs> have you not listened to Brian Blessed? I have. It's He's not very warm. gentle. He sounds Is gentle. He? I feel like he'd be a good like. Bear have you ever listened to Brian Blessed? Yes. Like, 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 okay, I think you're nice. warm and big, gentle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, come here, you I, I, softie. You know what you're thinking? But this is a man who literally goes to Mount Everest to see if if um uh, if uh, monsters are there. What? I trust him to find them. Did you not know that? He goes through expeditions to find Bigfoot, find the Yeti. Like, like he's going to Mount Everest so many times to see if the Yeti's there. He set up a camera. He's like, he's literally, he's literally Ace Rimmer from the TV show Red Dwarf <laughs> as a real person. Like, he just goes on adventures. Like, like he really is Teddy Roosevelt. Like, like if you shot Brian Blessed in the chest, he would just have so much pure muscle. Why would anyone want to I, shoot I, Brian I think, Blessed in I the think, chest? I think Brian Blessed is now officially the coolest person ever. He really is. There's a comic book in which someone got submissions for illustrations and they would incorporate Brian Blessed into them. And one of them's like Santa riding his sled and he made Brian, Bres- Brian Blessed the sled naked. <laughs> and as he flies in the air, he just goes, he just goes, Ripper! 
<laughs> like, and they write rippers in all some all caps, little caps, like all that. It's just great. But Brian Bless is not in this movie, mm-hmm. but Stephen Root is. And Steven. we've already gone over Stephen Root, so that's the end of his chapter. Yeah, we've already gone through the root of that. <laughs> it's funny the second time. Would you believe it's it? But you know what comedy says? Rules of three. It's a very Can't blessed, wait. First of all, it's a very blessed joke. Second of all, <laughs> the root thing was regarding our roots, not his roots. Yeah, but that's his last name, Bartek. That's <laughs> like... What? Stephen, Stephen loves Lie down. But like, who is your favorite character and, and your favorite scene? Um, I love that house. That's the Brady house. Very Prince of Bel Air. Fresh. Yeah. Very zesty. I do agree with you that the character you find to be your favorite is a pretty good character, but I don't know necessarily that I, he would be my favorite. I had a pick for your favorite. Yeah, who? Old man who just slings insults left and right at the banquet. You remember him? There's this old bald man with a big nose and they oh, go him. up and he's like, Yeah, Edith. I heard that like, I heard that you or your sister I heard that one of your that like you or your sister died. Was it you? <laughs> Shakes over because he's complaining that people suck up to this old rich bitch and he's yeah. just like, I don't and like he sees this woman with large tits and he leans over to her wearing like a stupidly revealing dress. He just leans over to her and goes, Excuse me, miss. Are you a nursing mother? And she just goes, <gasps> And he's just like, Yep, nailed that one. He sits down, he just goes through his life ridiculing people. I forgot about him. He would be a contender. He's um, a contender. He could have been somebody. Yeah, he should get his own film. He should have been. In the Mar- he should have been Marlon Brando instead. Yeah, he should have done the role in Sam Marlon Brando. <laughs> I could have been somebody. I could have been a contender. You nurse and mother. <laughs> Just in the middle of this monologue, like, wait, you? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Krippendorf is also pretty good, and I do like his parents-in-law. Ah, uh, yes, the parents-in-law, very famous. Uh, he was the grandfather in that '70s show that died in the driveway. Uh. Um, I think he was on Kitty's side of the family as her father. Okay. He there's an episode in which you meet him, and then he dies in their driveway, spying across. Um, what's Donna's next? Donna's neighbor, Donna's house, yeah. and then he dies in the driveway, and they're like, he died, and it's really emotional for no apparent reason. It's like a comedy, and then it's like, hey, you know how comedy shows for some reason think Mash is good. Fuck you! We're gonna get mash on this and get Maudlin. Yeah, that episode. And then the mother, uh, the grandmother, is uh, Jack Donaghy's mother in Thirty Rock, and she's a uh, spicy meatball of an actress. She's always a bitch. Hey, talk about it. it's always sunny in Philadelphia a lot. Um, Max Mum is in this movie. Oh. And she looks the exact same, except for she's combed her hair back and is wearing a fancy suit. Has she been in it yet? No, she's going to be a nurse looking after a very elderly woman who, by the way, is in every movie as the elderly lady to the point in which I even brought it up in a Bringing Down the House episode that the old woman in that, I always thought was always going to be this other old woman in this. So the old woman in this plays this type of character in everything. So that's the same actress as Bringing Down the House? No, but I always said... Man, I always thought it was her. I always oh, thought it was just one actress, okay. but that it wasn't. Yeah. She was also, uh, this actress was also in Twin Peaks as Old Lady. 
mm-hmm. who has grandson who holds um, creamed corn. That's Twin Peaks for you. <laughs> Don't need to explain anymore. <laughs> like, oh, her grandson's a, ma- a magician, so if that makes any sense to you, Bartek. Cream corn, magician. Oh, look, some more old people. Oh, is this the guy that kisses up? To look, him? more cultural appropriation. But that guy has a beard, and it's white. Looks a bit like Sean Connery, but it's fat. You know what they say. I play a wicked saxophone. <laughs> Titties. And we never see her again. That's what I love about movies. They hire certain people for that shot. Can you imagine that, Ace? Like, like, can you imagine that? Just like, all right, guys, we need someone with titties. Don't tell them that, that that's what they're there for. Because you can't just say, hey, we're just going to zoom on, on the titties and that's it. you got to make them think they're going to be like in the background more. Well, even when I was an extra and I would be called up for things, sometimes I get like a description of what they're looking for. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess that's me. Yeah, titties. And Mac's mum is right there. Oh, I see. And hasn't aged. Looks the exact same, except for oh, hair is. dolled up. He is, Ryan. Hair dolled up and wearing makeup. Here he is. Doesn't he look like a guy who would give you insults? <laughs> like, doesn't he? Like an yeah. insult. He, he looks like story. Don Rickles' meaner brother. He also looks like the guy in, like, the Pixar shorts that plays chess. Oh, yeah, Gary. Yeah. Face? He also looks like um, the turtle in uh, Over the Hedge. but i've also said that rob schneider looks like that turtle so my point of view on that turtle dramatically shifts i haven't seen this film in way over 10 what this film you just well you're watching it now Um, so i'm going to watch it again no i I was going to talk about master of disguise oh that's on the list does in the scene in master of disguise one that i remember for some reason yes brent spiner is the villain he doesn't just play data he plays the villain in master of disguise no no no. when he's in the turtle outfit yeah going turtle um iconic humor doesn't his face does his face look older in that or no he's just got a bald cap on so he looks old and got big glasses on so he looks old again it's like how richard dreyfus is wearing hair in this (laughs) no i'm kidding it's actually his hair Brian, have you noticed that... Oh my god, the chief, how did he get there? And Richard Drace is right there. Oh, hey. well, it's a mirror. It's a, mi- it's <laughs> it's a mirror. Mirrors. Man looking in the black mirror. You know, this is what M- Michael Jackson's song, Black and White, mainly means. Oh, stop stealing your parents' money. Drop out now. <laughs> like, like, I just like the fact that he's got this lifelong mission to ruin children. <laughs> like, look, look, and here it is. The important facts. Oh! I, I, I set it up. It's they set it up, and facts, it's right? it's urgent. This is exactly like the film Rocky and Bullwinkle, in which that film's third act also hinged on faxes. Yeah, that one had more so the fax machines, whereas these one... This well, has Rocky faxes. did get faxed over. And look, she even wrote urgent. And she underlines stop in case he didn't know, because he she knows he's a bit of an idiot. I mean, look, he's got his hat brim turned up. What a fool. You know what they say about university professors... And he's fucking so, nuts. And he's so saying. enraged, and you know, complaining. <laughs> Don't about be fa- one. He's yeah. so enraged and complaining about the fact that he lied to Larry Swift, but he didn't really say much. Well, you know, he, yeah. he wanted to hold that. No, no, he goes around bragging like, like, have you seen me? I was on the Larry Swift show. Like, like he's some guy. I yeah. love this character <laughs> because he comes out of nowhere and he just develops as the movie goes on. And here it is. He he stood. It out. was her all along. Wow. What and watch this. Watch this. This is an amazing plot reveal here. She's angry. They're going to have a little bit of a tiff. Still angry about the fact that, you know, the sex thing 
happened and that he's evil, basically. But boy, oh boy, are they totally prepared for that encounter later by him just checking out her ass. Yeah, he I, sees I her ass to, and then he's like, I was about to say, well, 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 well. Up to that part yet. I keep getting confused at which portion of the film of them applying I, blackface is the I one. They have a few. I think it's the third time they do it. That yeah, rule first. of threes. And here he is. The champion of the movie. And look at his face. Like, I love how he's pulling his face to be like, I'm... Like, his character... Him as an actor is saying, my character here is trying to be charming. Yeah. So this is how I'm going to do it. Like, see, like, he looks like an illustration right now. Like, like a... Mm. Like you see in The New Yorker. Like, him trying to be charming. Like, like with his hair squiffed to the side a little bit. And, like, he's... He's the way his mouth arches. Yeah, and his facial hair also, like, follows him. I don't understand why they cast Mike Myers as Cat in the Hat when then this guy really could have <laughs> nailed him. With that accent. But, but Michael Myers put on... That Mike- accent, my head accent. <laughs> Ew. That's what's happening. What? I took that sexually. You should always take it sexually. Well, Ace isn't listening, so Ace is applying their own accent oh. to this man. So, in Ace's mind, he could sound... Like a this. Yeah, that's yeah, that's how my inner monologue. He goes. sounds basically like how I did it before, where it's like, how dare you? And he's like, how dare you make me lie to the incredible Larry Swift? And he he really oscillates between that and hard German and Argent. He has like a bit Some of an Argentinian like thing going on. Yeah, it's very interesting. I almost want to like unmute the film. For like I a almost second. want to meet the guy in real life and say, <laughs> "Is this your real accent?" And he's like, "Of course it is, Ryan. I am the amazing me." No, Ryan, you asked him. He's like, "Nah, Mike, that's not my accent." No, no. I ask him, and he replies, and he's got my voice. <laughs> and, I'm like, Whoa. and then you realize that you are him, and he is you. No, I wasn't no. going that level. He then rips off his face. And it's his face underneath his face, and he just keeps going in a continuous loop, and I'm just stuck there for the rest of time, hearing him going, "No great to Larry Swift! Ripping off his own face. And it's with my voice doing it, just like I did then. Just a Scooby-Doo sort of thing. This grandfather always plays the rich, white, pompous guy a lot. I swear that he's in everything as well. Like, like if you said, oh yeah, he was in Legally Blonde as one of the rich, pompous guys. I was like, yeah, I believe you. You know, like, yeah. Do you all hear that, guys? <laughs> yes, I did. Ryan said always and a lot in the same sentence. Well, I didn't say them one after the other. You said them very close to each other, Ryan. Fucking Bartek. That's all I'm going to say. Just fuck Bartek in his anus. Right there, Ace. We've got to. we've got the penis sheath. <laughs> Can you imagine being fucked with that penis sheath? Like, how I might... don't want to. <laughs> but he's got a feather, so it would tickle. <laughs> None of that sounds appealing. Sounds so appealing. So here's the With emotional... every sentence, you're hurting my heart more and more. <laughs> you don't have a heart. So, <laughs> here it is. Oh, how um, smart. Oh, maybe it was the second time. Yeah, it's only twice, because then... Yeah. Oh my god. Yum. She has underpants that go above the belly button. Whoa. What kind of underpants are those? Good ones. Like, what's the style called? They're like shorts. So there are boy shorts, I think, those. Are they? Type. Yeah. Yeah, cool. She's wearing pajamas. <laughs> like they look like something she would wear. Like if it wasn't like if that was like a like a a, a little shirt instead of a bra, I would be convinced that she was in her pajamas right now, not like in underwear. Okay, That's wouldn't fair. you? I like how she's also. This is great. I never noticed this before. Mm. Look at the underwear. Look at the bra. She dressed for the tribal look in her underclothes. 
it's got that tribal feel of the colors and like the splotches and all that like it's red like leopard print right yeah she's she's nailing this i bet jenna elfman came up with that on the day yeah they did (laughs) no they didn't because look at this my favorite face (laughs) (laughs) do you get reminded that old people look like babies because that's the moment in which you do huh no old Uh, people they don't remind you that yeah but like but they also remind you of babies. Don't you ever look at old people sometimes? Like, yeah, it's like a big I guess baby. I can see what you're saying. Also, like have you never met babies? Look- Don't they also sometimes look like old people to you? No. Like really. a fresh baby. Like a fresh baby is the freshest thing you're going to get. No, but like, they're still like... Wipe off the vine. No, no, but they're still all gooey and crinkly as well because... We've all been gooey and crinkly. I'm not saying that we I'm haven't. gooey and crinkly right now. In the pants. Mm-hmm. Which is really weird if you're crinkly. Like, that's the part I'm worried about. Don't, don't body police me. <laughs> Her hair is really on point. Now, this is the part of the film they put their own subtitles in to explain yeah. his gibberish. Which I would have liked to see without subtitles. I want to make up my own story. He's indicating that he was making tea. He put the tea... He teabagged himself. Mm-hmm. Rigorous, you know, with a rigorous amount of force. And, um... You know, he accidentally swallowed the bag, but that's okay because he's now going to poop it out. That's that's my story. Patek, mm-hmm. your interpretation of his chicken story? Um, he hadn't had lunch, so he threw something in his mouth and he thought it tasted like chicken. Oh, you fucking nailed that. That was like, wow, premonition. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Wow. wow. I'm very good at analyzing foreign... Language, yeah. <laughs> just foreign in general. Aliens, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm an alien. That's why when you were talking about Klingon earlier, I was like, I'm not even going to say anything. It's just too obvious. Oh, yeah. About that Klingon thing. There's a whole episode in which they meet an an albino, albino Klingon, and he's just a white guy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, all the Klingons have, like, if they have white actors, they don't even put them in blackface. They just give them that, like, you know that kind of weird... They give them bronzer, so they look, like, like, yellowy brown because, you know, they're supposed to be, like, Mongolians originally, but then they made them more like Vikings. But then they're like, oh, fuck, we already went with the Mongolian look. Oh, well, fuck it. We're just going to continue. And then there's an episode where they meet an albino one. It's just like a white guy. Just like you just like you and me, but with like the forehead ridges. That's it. It's like, what a weird thing to discover. But this movie discovers many things about the human condition. And I think that's the strength of the film. Is it explores the human condition. You know, the, the need to... Gain appreciation, respect, and admiration from others. The financial needs of looking after a family as a single parent. The, what one is willing to go to. You know, like, how can we still root for someone who has gone to such such depths? The movie is asking quite a lot of, of, of the audience. And I think it really gets that from the audience. I it's, root for Krippendorf. Yeah, it's, look, it's, um... With a lot of comedy films, you think of all the elements as just, you know, being there. Like, oh, this character is the main character of this love story. By the way, he's an architect. You know, whatever, he's an architect. In this film, you can have like, oh, this is the main character. By the way, he's an anthropologist. It's not so much a by the way thing, because this film really stands as a testament to the field of anthropology. Yeah, hold on the to study that. of humans. Hold on to that too for a while. <laughs> I'll come back later. <laughs> IMDb Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. No, interview with Jane Goddard. Yeah, she, yeah, I fucking love Krippendorf. <laughs> Can you imagine that? She's monkey, so... Who's a famous anthropologist? Is that an... What, what, what is... 
Well, she she's a monkey. Gorillas, right? gorillas. Is that what is gorilla study called? Oh, sorry, the band Gorillas. Sorry, <laughs> that's what it's yeah. called. Oh, look at him here. And why not? He really reminds me of uh, a character that could have been in the film Clue. <laughs> that's that's the kind of thing he could have really been. Like like, it would have been Sergeant Mustard. It could have been Colonel Mustard, or or it could have been Anthropology Man. And it's like, no, 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 to me and the great Larry Swift. And his companion yeah, is Larry he, Swift. It's gonna be a good like cartoony, but like not too cartoony character. You know, there was that kids show. Um, what was it called? Uh, young. Uh, the Toon Carmen one where oh yes yeah, yeah. where it was a zombie mm-hmm. zombie toot what was it called young toot no Tuttenstein Tuttenstein he could have been a villain in that <laughs> easy peasy Japanese yeah <laughs> hey hey it's okay they've made a lot of fun of other races no one's had a go at the Asian yet in in this film so I feel like I I, I owe it do you though <laughs> like. Do you, don't you? You though. just have to be racist as a whole. Just uh, to complete the cycle. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, Ace. I'm no, not. Okay. I'm not you groundbreaking like you talking about the wet crinkle in my pants. You brought. You made it about my pants. I did not. I just felt your pants. Oh, can you? And they were wet. And <laughs> we're just trying to watch this really good movie. <laughs> yeah, you mean Fantastico. Oh yeah. Okay, sorry. Me like it, yeah. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> it's a non-appreciated masterpiece. This film has everything going for it. But it's like, what is it about the film do you think made it not a resounding success? To the point in which even Richard Dreyfus disowns it to a level other than having had fun with Jenna Elfman, which if I was in this film and I, and I had to do the stuff I did to Jenna Elfman, I'd also say I had fun if I was Richard Dreyfus. That was a question, by the way, audience. That whole thing right there. Yeah. You gonna answer it, motherfucker? <laughs> yes, of course I am. I was just pointing out uh, how you tangentialized in a question. This is the podcast, Bartik. You've been on for a very long time. I know, but just sometimes, accept, sometimes... Just accept the reality that you've been given. Believe okay? me, Ryan, like, I've been accepting it for 84 and a half I episodes. accept your bullshit, too. <laughs> yes. Um... I when I watch films for this podcast, you know, I we tend to research the same places online, like you know, IMDb and all that. I also jump to TV tropes sometimes to see what like uh, what opinions have been thrown towards this film when in terms of analyzing it. Um, Bartek's opinion is so strong that the film stopped. That the yet multi-billion again. <laughs> dollar company Google has failed. This is your again. fault, Bartek, for answering the question sufficiently. Yes. Um, oh no, but, we're having errors. But surprisingly, this film did not have its own page on TV tropes. What? But it had an entry on a page about um, films with questionable like morals. I like love the message that. of the film. like Or like uh, m- morals that you can extract from a film that are not necessarily good. Mm. Um, oh yeah, it took me back to the 29 minute mark that we were at earlier. I think it is very hard, like, as, like, modern-day 2017 audience, judging old films by that same standard. So Mm. I'm not really... Like, I know why it would flop now, and I know why a lot of people wouldn't have heard about it, but I'm also not really sure why it would have flopped in its, like, time context. Yeah, well... Well, Maybe the 90s... Let's not forget, the 90s were the PC time as well. Like, that's where it really kicked off. One of my favourite jokes in the film The World's End is when one of them, like, when Simon Pegg says something a bit, like... 
on PC and the friend Gary goes, that's not very PC of you guys. Like, oh, stop living in the 90s, Pete! <laughs> Coming from the character living in the 80s. But anyway, some of the points that they mentioned on that page about the morals is like, uh, lying can be a fun family activity that brings you close together. Um, uh, and they were pointing out how, like, Ruth Allen uh, is trying to fight for the... Uh, integrity of academic research but she's seen as a bitch for it yeah well you know she's ruth no i I always thought that she's seen more as just ruthless get it ruth um we are now just for those we're an hour and 27 minutes and 29 seconds wow yeah that was me saying wow i heard it i was right here were you there though uh, not really, I'm did, not really here. Did you feel it in the loins? We've got seven not minutes left of the movie. Hopefully it doesn't crash again. <laughs> <laughs> we could have finished it by now. Yeah, we, we could have. Well, so the movie... Might be at the credits. The movie's on. Uh, yes. There Ruth was, is seen as a bit of a bitch. She's like, I don't know. I just think that well, she's, she's seen more as someone like who is just... Um, more of an obstacle as a person. Yeah. Like, well, like you words, can never... Yeah. Their word's not mine, but basically she's Fucking seen hats. as an antagonist. You're not meant to like her. Yeah, I mean, like, with comedies, it's supposed to be, oh, we're just trying to have fun. But also, it's saying that these things are things that you should find funny. Yeah. Oh, they also said, like, oh, he was easily forgiven for the whole sex thing, like, even though she was drunk and made it public. Yeah, well... Easily forgiven for that. You know what they say, not all men. But... <laughs> very true. But, um... <laughs> But yeah, those are all morals that you would get if you watched the film. And I think there's an inherent problem right there in that... Many did many people watch this film? No. I guess they didn't want Miss Frizzle's um, cinematic universe. <laughs> what? They didn't this is want... all on Miss Frizzle's They didn't canon. want Miss Frizzle's cinematic universe. <laughs> so they didn't go see it. Okay. I'm sorry, but I guess I was like a derailed you there. You're like, oh, well, I didn't expect that was going to be the audience backlash. <laughs> Everyone's now riding in going, oh, man, I, I really didn't want that Miss Frizzle cinematic universe. I wanted them to set up the... Are you foreshadowing IMDb reviews, Ryan, again? <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> no, I'm confused. Yes. The tribe I'm... that they just found, is that legit? No. So what happened was the daughter phoned up a tribe that they did know and okay. said, hey, could you go there and pretend to be Sha- the Sharmikidmu? And they're like... Totes. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know how they knew all the traditional customs very easily, I guess, you know, that he made up. And now he's been off the hook, and they're like, we're going to play it as a joke. Stephen Root's still not impressed, though. You're fired. He says it so sternly, like, like he's deadly serious. Like, that's what I love about Stephen Root. He could come into a comedy movie and play it serious. Here's the reveal. Oh. Here's, Here's a reveal. <laughs> Man, hello, hello. Ah, oh, bubbles. Sorry, audience. Uh, sorry, Audience never apologize no, to no, them. No, no, right, They're no. fucking scum. Hey, look, they got a satellite thing though, so that means no, you know Ryan, in Ryan, New Guinea the tribes have. We made a mistake, satellite. Ryan. Oh, you made a mistake. Listening people. Yeah. Not audience. And yeah, they listen. They're people. We don't want it. Or pets. Don't know. <laughs> you know, someone might leave this on for their dog to keep them company while they're on a trip. I was gonna say something, but we've tangentialized so much at the. The moment's gone. You want to say that word again for me? You, it's your buzzword of this episode. Tangentialized. Yum. Not initiative. The th- <laughs> oh, no, that that's what so we call t- a so payoff to a setup. That's so mm, Yeah, 2000. we had the foreshadowing and then we had the payoff. I can't wait for the foreshadowing to be concluded on the first foreshadow of the episode. Oh, I can't wait. Well, isn't it obvious? It was when he makes his, like, tribes, like, Mamasa, or whatever he says. Oh, you, we never talked about the traditional hello. Hamamas! 
that's it. And that was Bartek. Hello! But you didn't say it with any rhythm, so that was annoying. Yeah, but I said it with the loud gruffness and it made you react. I always react. Yeah, but it made you That's react That's my like, strength Whoa. and my weakness. <laughs> it's a gift I... and a curse. <laughs> so if I throw an insult at it's you... It's a national treasure. So if I throw an insult at you, will you react? Maybe. Ryan, your nose isn't as good as mine. Fucking... You mean functionally or aesthetically? Or initiatively. Just <laughs> subjectively. Well, your subject is shit. <laughs> so the film has ended. Yeah. We're going to go straight smack dab in the middle of the review. So I'm just going to go halfway through my review. Loved it. Five stars. No. I'm, we're going to give our own reviews, ratings. And then after that, we're going to read some reviews from IMDb. Some people had some tasty opinions on this movie like we did. I'm going to go straight off the bat as, as I like to do. I don't go straight on the bat. I go straight off it. I like this movie. I think you can all tell. I grew up on this movie. I am a part of the Shamikidmu. I am its fan club president. I would have a poster of this on my wall if they made more posters of it. You know, that's just the tragedy of a film like this. Many films during certain eras, I would say the late 90s and the mid 2000s, many comedies just got forgotten. You know, many comedies just got swept under the rug, you know. Not a lot of them are looked at, and that's what this is all about. We're looking at ones that some of us haven't seen or heard of before. I was lucky enough to have seen it before, have heard of it before, and it was such a pleasure on a rewatch and to dig deep into the meanings of the film, to the minutiae, to the scenes, to the character development, the plot lines, because a filmmaker made this. They went to the extra effort. They put in visual jokes, visual elements that you may not notice until like a fifth time watching it. And that's just dedication to the craft. The performances all around are genuine. They are great. Even though Richard Dreyfuss may not think of it as a as a successful film, it is one of his good... It is a very good performance from him. You never feel like he's phoning it in. Everyone is in top form. Lily Tomlin, one of the greatest comedic actresses of all time, nailing it. And Stephen Root, one of the greatest character actors of all time. Wow, he just... Such a dynamic performance. This is a film that I think everyone needs to give a second look at. You know, yes... It has a lot of questionable choices in it, but in context of what's happening, they're the right choices. If I have to give this film a rating, which I do, I really do have to give it a rating, I would give it a... bitch. Out of... Hamamas! I like hummus as well. I said hamamas. Yeah, it's delicious. Hey, they say Walt Disney right there. My fucking favorite Disney. Not even trying Take that, to Roy, it. you fucking hack. Ace, I'd like to hear a review and a rating out of your throat. I think I've been pretty clear throughout this thing. Uh, ugh, my opinions don't necessarily gel with this movie. Yeah, you didn't watch um, it. So. I didn't get any of the audio, so I couldn't really get that aspect of it. But I thought uh, acting-wise, they did a good job. While I'm not jazzed about the context that they were acting in, the actors were fine, uh, the camera work was good. I'm just not a fan. Uh, so. And despite that, it's still the greatest film. Yeah, it's still one of the greatest it's... films. Unappreciated Masterpiece, for sure, though. It's... You need to check it out with sound. Okay. Then it's going right. to really highlight the experience. It's like saying, hey, you know Avatar? 
I'm gonna blind you, and, <laughs> okay. then, and then give me your review. Look, at, at this current point of time, I would give it like three out of ten dead lizards. Can I talk you up to four? Not, not right now. I don't. I want to set the bar low. Okay, so okay. To a sound of okay, okay. I'll edit it in later that I talk oh, okay. you up to ten. All right. No. I, I talked Ace, Ace up to ten. Ten. Lovely. Uh, Bartek, what do you have to just say? Like, can we get a moment of Ace just saying the word yes for your editing purposes later? Yeah. You don't edit this. <laughs> I might. One time I put effort in. I made a, an episode of Time Loop. Very, very, very good of me to do that. For the rest of the episode, we have to trick Ace into saying the word yes. Like Mr. Burns <laughs> says it in that one episode. You remember that episode where... Yes! Yes! <laughs> nice try. <laughs> Mr. S- Smith. I love that. I love- oh, Mr. Burns, you're home. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Patrick, let's hear from you. Edit in my yes. <laughs> and I'll say that's Ace. Oh, they yeah, cut out this whole thing. So, can messages. I talk you up to 10 dead lizards out of 10? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Bartek! Yeah, woo! Shoot us in our shamikid mood. Chick, chick. Boom, milu. I was gonna. No, instead of boom is my review. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were gonna say chick, chick, shamikid moo. Alright, I'll, I'll cock the gun again. Chick, chick. Shamikid moo. Sorry, <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> Uh, this movie no that's that was a joke this is serious now playtime is over Krippendorf's Tribe is a film that is <laughs> that's certainly it is a film <laughs> that is absolutely worth all of our time I agree you see Ryan agrees I mean <laughs> I agree that would be good enough for a review but that would be the poor man's way out this film explores a lot of concepts, and I think one of the concepts that is most prominent, and yet I found to be a bit subtle, is the idea of family. At the scene at the very end, the climactic why, scene... Why are you laughing, Ace? Just because you don't have a family. Whoa. Jeez, they died in an unfortunate expedition to New Guinea to prove Bartek's theory wrong. And guess who was wrong? You. Go on, Bartek, I respect you. Thanks. <laughs> I made myself laugh <laughs> No, in the climactic scene where, um, you know, your favourite character has run into the room and, you know, is making the whole, he's a liar thing going on, his children defend him. At the beginning of the film, how were they towards him? They were more distant, uncaring, because he himself, you know... Yeah, one of was, them didn't even talk. One of them didn't talk. Um... It's very, very tragic. He could be considered a mute, and there's a lot of research into why well, children are he, mutes. He whispered, so... Not a mute. I could go into a tangent <laughs> about how I had to teach a student who was a selective mute, but I won't. Oh, okay. Um, Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. So you've got that contrast right... Th- oh, you're, yeah, I won't. This is going so well. This is what happens almost every episode. I try to give my review and then Ryan has to butt in and change. Because Ace was inappropriately laughing at you. And I felt you had to be defended on your honour as a virtual virgin. I mean, jeez. I just thought it was funny that you're talking about how family was a subtle thing when he literally names his made-up tribe after his kids. It was subtle, though, because none of the other people outside the family knew that. Yeah, that was part of the plot. (laughs) But I'm talking about the contrast between how the children were at the beginning and at the end, and then you've got this whole plot 
centering around the fact that, like, you know, one person just wants the money, uh, another person's just trying to cover their ass, and then, at the very end, you get an idea of what the children were getting out of it. Like, yeah, you might have had that as well with, um, uh, the middle child's presentation with Mila Kunis, how mm. he's kind of enjoying making up this whole law thing. Like, making up law is a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, I love the we, law. There might, there even I a, am the law. There are kind of... Kind of, sorry. There are a couple of episodes of this show where we kind of, like, play around with law. Yeah, and we stick and we stick by that. Yeah, I think The X is a good example at the end when we were talking about the credits and, like... Yeah, well, you know, if if you if you apply any kind of reality to it, that means it's true. Yeah. Um, and at the end, like, when the when the youngest child actually did speak out loud... He, uh, loud. Out loud? Lied. Out loud. How fucking dare you! Out loud. He wasn't even, like looking into any of the motivations that were present throughout the film. He was simply saying, like, we became a happy family by working together on this, like, yeah. basically a project in a way. And when that happened, I had this idea of, like, oh, is, is Richard Dreyfus going to play off of this? How he's going to admit that this was all a ploy to cheer his kid up? But yeah. no, even then, the film doesn't go $100,000 ploy. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, and that, sorry, two hundred thousand dollar, and that, and if that was where the film would have gone, we would have had to like play with our suspension of disbelief a bit, like, oh, yeah, of course these people are gonna be cool with that, but they didn't. But they didn't. This film is full of surprises, full of subtlety, full of tee hee hees, and, and I think that it did a fantastic job. Was it full of brouhaha's? Not really, but I think was it full of hee ho has? Yeah, a bit actually. Yeah, I, I noticed a couple. Yeah. And Great. that is what I think of the film. I think that it is fantastic, absolutely worth your time, subtle, full of laughs, and that people should go out, watch it, enjoy it, love it, learn from it. It is a true staple of the field of anthropology. If I had to give this film a rating, I would have to give it an 18-episode miniseries full of tangents. Well, Vazek... You know how you just spoke about anthropology yes. and how it's great to the field? Well, people on IMDb also had thoughts about that. There's an eight-star review here simply just titled Anthropology Students. And it's from 2009, so quite some time after the film came yeah, out. They've had 11 years to improve the field. <clears throat> it goes as such. It's eight stars, by the way. <clears throat> I think this is a great film for anthropology students. It demonstrates many of the hypocrisies that exist within academia, academia, as well as the types of pressures that many professionals feel within the field. I also think it's a great introductory example for anthropology students regarding ethics, structures of cultures, and the nature of our own culture, how we justify normally taboo items. I show it to my, I show it to my introduction to anthropology students every year. They laugh, they ask questions, and they appreciate the film. I recommend it. I've used it for years in anthropology classes. I have students analyze the Mikudmu and come up with more cultural traits. I then follow by having them stimulate the type of cultural creations that sci-fi writers do, creating their own alien cultures. That's, this is a fun teacher. That's really good. Like when you this whole episode, I thought you were just gonna be like, oh, this. Like it's gonna be like no no offense but some kind of like dumb guy being like oh this film this is be some great. smart person but this is a person who's literally like backing up what he's saying well we have someone here with a six star review called unbelievable but funny and it was written in 1999 oh near the dawn of a new you millennium a, you had a year to think about it <clears throat> if this movie can be accepted as is 
a comedy, it is funny. If totally unbelievable plot and situations are ignored, it can still be a laugher. <laughs> a few of the better instances were Lily Tomlin? Question mark. <laughs> she was a good instance. A few, a, few, no, a few of the better instances were Lily Tomlin in the jungle. They, they put a question mark on Lily, Lily Tomlin. Tomlin and then in the jungle. The television interview and the banquet sequence. The banquet sequence? Yeah. Okay. And that's the end of that review. They just wanted short, <laughs> concise. <laughs> they wanted to tell you it is a comedy. It's good. Lily Tomlin's a good instance. There's a banquet. Now I have some negative reviews here. It's always upsetting, but you have to go with the positives and the All negatives right. to fully flesh out a film. Bring it on, come on. Morally on. bankrupt anti-heroes. No star rating. Oh god, here we <clears> go. <throat> the movie was fun, but I couldn't help but be disappointed every time something good happened to the main characters. Oh, why couldn't he stop after four words? <laughs> <laughs> Although the movie is quite clear at telling the viewer who's the good guys are... <laughs> the only redeeming qualities that they possess are that you feel really, really, really sorry for the children. And, well, they dress like stereotypical good guys as well. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is like a superhero film where that's a trope, right? The moral of the film seems to be that the best way to solve all of life's problems is through lying, embezzling, stealing, backstabbing, Backstabbing close colleagues, cover-ups, and gross falsification of research. Tut, tut. I think, yeah, that summarizes the TV trope thing I said. Yeah, and I have the last review here. Oh, Another God. negative. That's so long. And it's so negative. It's also got no star rating. It's called Disappointing and Disturbing. Some minor, minor spoilers included. <laughs> Whoa, boy, it's written in 2000. So think about this, guys. The new year's just started and someone was like, I'm going to write a review. It's the new millennium. It's time for anything. The internet's going to be the biggest thing in the world. Disappointing and disturbing. Some minor spoilers included. That will be the title. Here it is, guys. Does <clears throat> say that'll be the title? No, no. That's me saying that. Oh, like, sorry. This is them on their journey. That'll be the title. Ah. I'll show them all. 2000 and 2001 are going to be a great year. <clears throat> this review may contain spoilers, guys, in case you didn't know. Minus spoilers, right? No, no, this is just a consent spoilers now. <clears throat> I can't see how anyone can call this a family film. There are some, there are numerous phallic references, including a creation of a circumcision scene done with two boys and an axe. Every character in the film is manipulative and dishonest in every way. All of the professors try to take credit for work they did not do, including the work of Krippendorf. Which even he did not not do. Brilliant. Like that Yes, it was it was an axe, not a pick. I wanted to pity him for being a widower, but that issue barely came up and does not excuse his stealing thousands of dollars of grant money for his own personal use. This is in brackets. This is criminal <laughs> with an exclamation mark and everything. But to get away with it, he invents a fictitious tribe he claims to have researched with all kinds of unusual tribal practices, falsifying research with all kinds of unusual tribal practices, anthropological, anthropo, anthropological, correct, I nailed it, research, and tainting information about primitive, uh, yeah, about primitive peoples in the film. This leads to more and 
bigger opportunities to lie about this fictitious tribe for financial gain. His out-of-control children live in squalor, and he uses them to pull off his hoax, teaching them how to lie, steal, and cheat. The whole family even steals farm animals for his stunt. That's... Ooh, they're not happy about Did that. Did they steal? They never said they stole. They just acquired like, there, them. There was a montage where they were buying a bunch of things. So yeah. I I didn't, they stole about It's like, this is a review. They're honest. Yeah. Great family values. <laughs> That's the next one. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to laugh when he is disrespectful to his deceased wife's parents when they want to put their kids, their own grandchildren, might I add, into a more disciplined school environment? Then there's the annoying Jenna Elfman who pushes her way into a into a life. <laughs> How dare she? She pushes her way into a life and takes credit for his research. He wants nothing nothing to do with her until she introduces him to a TV executive who wants to pay him for to air films of his research. You were about to interject, Martin? They made a point earlier about how he didn't do this. Yeah, yeah, but, like, she's morally duplicitous because yeah, she, she doesn't, doesn't know, know this, yeah, but enough. she's trying yeah. to... Give him some fucking All right, credit, credit. for you. Remember? Then he uses her by secretly filming the two of them having sex dressed up as tribe members and selling the video. Then he's offered more grant money to continue his research, and she wants half of it before she even knows about the sex video? Then they get caught in the hoax, but they get away with their theft, fraud, and other criminal behavior because the one responsible person in the whole film, the one who earlier voiced a conscience about the misdeeds, his daughter, pulls off the biggest hoax of all to protect him. They get away with this nonsense and they live happily ever after? Apparently, apparently... Fortunately, obtaining grant money wrestled from the hand of a benevolent elder, elderly lady benefactor. That's just shameful. And we're supposed to pity him for being a single, though incompetent, F. They just ended it there. They didn't put father. <laughs> they just F. They gave up. And that was the last review. But that doesn't even, like, address... They're just saying, oh, she's a lady, she's dumb. Also, the sex tape, why is she so mad for, though? My favorite thing is in all I read all the reviews on IMDb and none of them none of them really mentioned the inappropriate use of uh, blackface. (laughs) None of them. They're all just like funny. I love it. We went into that more so than any reviewer, including Roger Ebert, didn't even mention the weird cultural stuff. So that shows you that we're ahead of the curve. Even though we love this film, we can point out things that could be a little squiffy about it. It was like like I said, guys, it was a subtle film. It was subtle. And you guys have been subtle listeners, you know. I can't hear you because you're listening. And also, this is a one-way kind of road, okay? I mean, maybe if you scream loud enough, I'll hear you. It's kind of like a reverse fork. You know, usually when you think of, like, forks in the road, you're moving on a straight line, but then there are three points. <laughs> yeah. But more, it's like three points are coming to one. It's not a fork, it's just the other direction. Yeah, I know, that's what I mean by reverse. I thought you meant like a cutlery fork. I thought you meant that too, and I was just like, he eats it on the other end. (laughs) (laughs) He stabs it with the other end of the fork. Bardic, you look so... Um, because I was just... Because you both interpreted it differently, and I'm like... Yeah, we interpreted it the exact same way yeah, to what right you way. did. The, the fork way. But then way. you were talking about, like, me eating. And I was talking because about, we're talking about, like, a fork that you eat with, not a fork in the road. But you said, like, it's like a reverse fork. 
<laughs> yeah, but Bartek, what I love about you, I love about you is you include pauses so brilliantly. So you're like, it's like a reverse fork. Like in a road. And you left there like, what does he mean? Because you get this moment of like, take it in, ask uh, questions, okay. and then you get the explanation. Hit me again with it. Ryan, it's like a spoon. You have the dip and you have the handle. But when you reverse it, it's not a dip. It's like a mound or a dune. That was... Wow. Wait a moment, wait a moment. I'm a bit confused. Yeah? When you say reverse it... Reverse the fork? No, no, spoon, in this case. I was just talking about about a normal spoon. No, no, I know what you're saying. Spoon, spoon. I just want to understand this. Yeah? When you say reverse it, so I'm holding the spoon with, like, the... The scoopy part. This is quality podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're jealous. Okay, I want to know what you say by reverse. So I'm holding the spoon with the scoopy part pointing out like a normal person. Yeah. When you say reverse, do you mean like then I'm flipping it and holding the scoopy part in my palm, or are you saying you're flipping it over so that the the divot of the scoop is now facing. Up with the down. S- with the spoon. It's like, the- how did you say? It? Because you 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 just said like spoon, now the, the mound is the dune. Okay, so that okay. That's but with the fork, it was something completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different. Because the fork was a different way so of thinking about we, it. Because you say reversing it, that's more like just flipping it upside down. I guess it's reversing. I just thought you meant like now I'm holding it the other way, yes. like you were with the, what we thought you were doing with the fork. This is what Krippendorf's tribe brings out in all yes, of us. That's the explanation of the spoon. But remember, the fork I was talking about paths, not the cutlery. Well, guys. That's the amazing spoon conversation. Now we have to get on to and now we have to get on to knives. Knives Chow from Scott Pilgrim, amazing character. Mm -hmm. He should have got with her in the end. You know, should have kept the original ending. Just saying. And that's the end of that podcast. Knives are very good for cutting salami. Now, Ace, you're an amazing guest. Next time when you come on, watch the movie. You'll be better. Yeah, you'll be like, oh man, I fucking love this movie. You know, I should get a movie that's not uh, three out of ten. Dead lizards. This was a ten yeah, out of 10. ten. Remember, remember, you said, you said, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that took you a little while. <laughs> oh yeah, that time. <laughs> the times I've yeah. repeated several. What did well, I? Did, I believe I said that this movie was definitely ten out of ten. Dead lizards. Is that not right? Yes. See, that was that was Bartek. Jace, you've been amazing, fantastic guest. Bartek, you were a... Bartek, you were a person that I've met before. And Ryan... You know what? That's very similar to the birthday post you made for me last year. Uh, <laughs> fun fact, Bartek didn't give me a birthday post this year. He yeah. just met me in person. Yeah. Sweet, sweet Moses. Mm-hmm. And you guys and have been <laughs> sweet, sweet Moses. And you know what you can do? You can part the wave and press those buttons to... Follow us on the media, you know, like we can, we have Facebook, we have YouTube, we have Podbean iTunes, all of it's Spittin' Polish Presents, you'll find us or you won't because you're lazy, you know, and that's just disappointing, you know, we have an amazing selection to look through, we have a giant back catalogue of, of things, you know, we're like 84 episodes, 85 or whatever, we got, 84 and a half. We've got, you know, amazing content and, you know, we are back now. We had a little break. We didn't even mention that. We did the A-team. Yeah. We took time off because that was just too much. The bombs went off. You know, like Liam Neeson with white hair. 
But we're back, and you guys have been back to your amazing, fantastic, stupendous, superfluous, amazing, wonderful listening people who have always been there listening, or for the first time listening, you know, it's just been great. You just call them superfluous. Oh my god, a guest <laughs> pointed it out. Yeah, fun fact, I already went through this giant debate in our G-Force episode, but I've been saying that since episode one, and no one ever pointed out that in G-Force, Bart was like, you just called them stupid when I said stupendous, and he was like, but then I was like, no, you've caught me up in my life. But then I, like, like a like Scooby-Doo villain revealed everything on the table. You're the first to pay attention. I've, I've cracked the case. Cracked you know it. Movie. You guys, you should crack the case on remembering to be nice to each other. <laughs> and also, Ryan, you know, you complimented Ace and myself, but we didn't compliment you. I don't need to. It's, it's, so, it's Ryan, secret. I'm going to give you a compliment that's inspired by that last review that you read. Oh, good. Ryan, you are a very good ass.